Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark and today I am talking with fellow podcaster Chris Eaton. What's up, dude? What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, I did oh, yeah, so am I. Yeah, I did your show in the past <laughs> and I had so much fun talking <laughs> with you and Duncan well, and um, asked you to be on this a long time ago and this just goes to show how much I suck at scheduling. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I've heard about you, you know. <laughs> I've heard there were issues. I heard oh. you were suspect as far as the scheduling goes. So, so, so <laughs> it's all good. very true. All right. <laughs> uh, Just a symptom Jesus. of doing too many things, you know? It's hard to yeah. like, schedule really far out because it's like, well, fuck, what if it's nice that weekend? I want to go climbing. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, I do like three other podcasts besides the one that you did with us. And um, scheduling, uh, like I'm, I'm doing it like sometimes for two weeks straight. And then I'm just like, I need to, like a couple of days off to not talk to somebody, you know, for at least one night. And I, I could see how that two weeks could go into five weeks and six weeks and all that. So what I try and do is I try and get, uh, you know, I do a bunch of interviews on one of the other shows and I try to get, you know, 10 in on a weekend. This way I have something in the pipeline for the next couple of months. Nice. See, and I considered doing that for a little while with StartCast, but like sometimes some of the stuff we talk about is like, you know, like topical to what's right, you know, going on right now or whatever. And so that's why I feel like it might be weird in some instances to. Yeah. You don't want to be like, uh, <laughs> we're going to have uh Duncan on and we're talking about the Rodney King beating. And you're like, Holy fuck. When, do, when did I record this? You know? So <laughs> <laughs> let me think of that sublime song real quick. How's that start yeah. out? It says the date. <laughs> April 26, 1992. There was a riot in the streets. Tell me where were you? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I probably had the wrong date there. Somebody's going to email me. You don't know Sublime. Yeah. Yeah. Like, stop, stop thinking you're a fan, man. You know, like, shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> I, I got the reference, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what all different podcasts do you do for the listening audience? Well, I do a, a podcast called uh, Snakes and a Fat Man. Which is uh, for years I bred and uh, sold uh, uh, ball pythons and other reptiles, and we would, um, you know, we'd sell them at you know local shows, and we, you know, we travel around the country to basically you know sell these animals because, you know, on, on certain weekends you can make fifteen, twenty, twenty five thousand dollars, you know, Holy shit. and uh, yes, yeah, so it's a fun thing, but but it's a lot of work doing it. And uh, we had just, you know, uh, when I came back from L.A., uh, I got into, um, you know, doing this with a couple of friends of mine. And we ended up uh, <laughs> we ended up having like three or four hundred snakes like at my apartment. OK, <laughs> because if you go into the city, ball pythons were illegal at the time. Uh -huh. But if if you're in the suburbs like me, you know, they're not, you know, you know, they were selling them in, you know, pet stores and all that. But the ball pythons are funny because you could buy one in a pet store for like $40, right? $50. But then you could breed them for certain genetic traits and colors and patterns and all that. And you could get up to, you know, $20,000 a snake, you know, Whoa. depending on the colors and, you know, the pattern and all that. So that's what we were going after. But either way, um, 
I, I they they you know my two partners were telling me like we're not gonna be happy until you're sleeping out on your balcony <laughs> you know when I was like <laughs> you sons of bitches man so eventually we had to get a you know an actual facility so we got a storefront and um, anytime you have more than a hundred animals like it it's a full time job you know and that's um, yeah, a lot of mouths to feed. Oh my God! We were spending about thirty five hundred dollars a month on rats alone. You know, how, so how big do ball pythons get? They only get like four feet, four and a half feet. Okay. So, so they're rel- relatively small, and they're docile animals. They're called ball ball pythons because when you scare them, they they uh, they twist into a ball, and sometimes it's impossible to get them out. You know, you can't just pull them out. You know. Oh yeah. And uh, but but they do bite occasionally, and I, I've gotten bit a thousand times by you know different kinds of snakes and bigger snakes and because because when i was in california i had a bunch of big reptiles and a multitude of different species and everything i mean we had a fucking alligator at the house you know so when i yeah (laughs) yeah when i when i came here you, you know obviously you can't do all that stuff but um you know i talked to you know two friends of mine and i was like you know this ball python thing is kind of picking up you know, uh, why don't we get two or three of them? And even if we, you know, even if we could just put like five grand away into a retirement account, then, uh, you know, it, it'll be a fun little hobby. And I think we should do that. Right. And one of the guys is like a rich, successful guy. Right. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Right. And I mean, like three months into it, I had 200 ball pythons at my apartment. Wow. Okay. So what sort of and, setup did you have to build to house that many snakes? We bought actual enclosures that they use in the best zoos in the world. So, so we were spending like four grand each rack because, you you know, you keep them in racks that are like little drawers. Not little. I mean, they could be, you know, uh, you know, three feet long, four feet long. And um, temperature controlled and everything. Once you close the drawers. Heat in the back and, you know, you keep everything on thermostats. So um, basically I had like. I think five professional zoo racks in my bedroom and I moved my, I moved my bedroom out to my office and um, you know, they kept saying, we're going to take over the office too. (laughs) And I was like, you know, eventually I just convinced them. I'm like, we got to get a place, you know? So we got a place, we, we dumped a little bit of money into it and uh, we did it for years and we just closed it down I think uh, maybe a year ago, because what was happening is, you, you know, when you have a place, especially in New York, you, you know, you're paying insane rents, you're paying insane electric. I mean, we were paying six grand a month for the place, and that was before we made a dime, you know. So we, you know, we just decided that we can't do this anymore. So, but in the meantime, I had made all these connections around the world with all these cool people. And uh, those are the people that I interview on the other podcast. And and I vent about how shitty the business is also. Yeah. I mean, is it is – because it, um, I know in Tiger King they talked about how people who own exotic pets and stuff like that can be real scumbags. Do you have to deal with some scumbags? Oh, well? there's, it's 90% scumbags, oh, 10%, no. 10% awesome people. You, you know, and the, the scumbags are – you know, I'm including all the uh, – the, the wasted phone calls where people call you and say, you know, how much do you want for the snake? And you say $2,000 and, uh, 
and they go back and forth for about a week and a half. And then on on that final phone call, they say, um, all right, well, let me talk to my wife and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. And I'm like, motherfucker, you just wasted a week of my time. You know, <laughs> you know they're never going to get Because you know they're not going to buy it. And, <laughs> you, you know, mo- most of these people um, just it, – it's insane how they – they're like in their parents' basements with 10 of these animals thinking that they're going to make a million dollars. And there's people out there that are making a million dollars a year just breeding ball pythons. But, you know, they're the ones that have been doing it for 20 years. They they get snakes right out of Africa, so they get the newest, you know, genes and the newest, uh, you know, uh, wild-caught animals. And they'll pay forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 to get a snake from Africa. It, it used to be sight unseen, you know, Ooh, back in wow. 30 years ago, you know, when the, the Internet wasn't a big thing. And uh, you just had to trust your contact in Africa because he, you know, he'd be like, I have a cool snake. That's 30 grand. And you'd have to wire that money to this, to this guy. <laughs> and, um, it, it was basically like a Nigerian prince scam, you yeah, know, and they FedEx you a snake <laughs> and yeah. And they, they, you know, and you got to go through all kinds of things. E- even exporting ball pythons. Now you got to get all these, uh, CITES permits and you can't even e- export to Canada. Um, so you have people that, it's their job to just export animals. They, they've made businesses out of just exporting reptiles. So it, it's an interesting business and you learn a lot about it. Uh, but the successful people are far outnumbered by the, the dreamers and the, uh, the pieces of shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. I, uh, I had the opportunity to handle a Python. Oh, it was a, five or six years ago. And I don't remember exactly what kind of Python it was, but it was a little over 10 foot long. Right, probably a Burmese. Yeah. Yeah. The thing was really, really awesome. And cause I remember it was at a, a local like nature conservation place. And so my wife read about it and she's like, well, let's take the boys there to go check it out. And so the whole time I'm in, I'm like, or going in, I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna touch it. I'm not going to do anything with it. <laughs> Because in my in like I'm not like not afraid of snakes. I'm not a fan of getting bit by anything, obviously. But like snakes were something when I was a kid. Like if there was a garter snake going across the yard, I'd catch that fucker. You know, right, right. I knew there was no teeth in it. The worst thing that was going to happen is it was going to release that you know musk odor that's going to make your hands smell like shit. Right. Even after you've washed them seventeen. Oh, times. and that happens, yeah. <laughs> and so when I was talking to the guy, I brought that up, and he goes, "Oh yeah," he goes, "This this its name was Muckluck." And he was like, Muckluck is so docile. Like, she's she's not going to release any of that on. He goes, that happens when they're afraid, and she's not afraid of you at all. You can, you know, don't worry about it at all. And I was like, well, does it bite? What are the teeth like? And, and he said that there was, like, reverse-facing teeth. And he said right. that the whole time that he's owned Muckluck, which has been several years, he said he has only gotten bit maybe once or twice. And he said both times it was his fault. Oh, yeah. Like, that. He had like put the rat down and then fucked with the rat and got bit. (laughs) Well, it's that's what reptile, you know, breeders know that whenever you get bit or, uh, you know, smacked with like a tail or, you know, something that that'll leave uh, a mark. It's it's your fault because you've done something outside the norm that the animal is used to. And I I guess that could be said with any wild animal. But um, 
I, I have a story uh, if you want to hear it. Absolutely, uh, it'll it'll kind of make me look like a jerk, but um, <laughs> but but also it, it, it's it's kind of funny. Um, we had uh, a 14 foot albino Burmese python uh, in the house. Now, well, we we had about 15 of them when we lived in L.A. And what we would do is we would just let them roam the house, right? And we had cages for them, and every night we put them back in the cages. And uh, there was a time where, you know, we had 60 or 70 animals, and they were all different species from iguanas to skinks to to the alligator to, you know, all this other shit. I love skinks. I think they're awesome. Oh, skinks are going to be the next bearded dragons. So we have five line skinks uh, in Iowa. And so I'd see them out on, on sunny limestone faces when I'd be out climbing. Right. It'd be awesome because you'd be like sitting on a little ledge, like 70 feet off the deck. And then a skink would come out and just stand by your foot and look (laughs) at you like, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) Well, we had the blue tongue uh, skinks. And what we would do is every morning uh, we would take everybody out, the skinks and the iguanas and everything. And we had these big picture windows, you know, facing, uh, you know, the canyon. And um, my girlfriend at the time would, would like feed him like salad and eggs. And, you know, she'd cook fucking eggs for these fucking, you know, these these reptiles. <laughs> and, and they would just pig out and, you know, go to town on it. And the turtles would or tortoises would be eating it into, you know, uh, too. But what we would, you know, what we did at that time was we had – a guy that would come and feed and clean everything because we were making fuck you money back then. Okay. And it was like, you know, like, I'm not going to clean shit. Like, what are you out of your mind? Like we're going to hire somebody. Right. So, um, and we would get shipments of these live rodents and rabbits in. Right. <laughs> and, um, one day Juan called and said, I, I, I'm not going to be able to come. I have to go back to Mexico for a week. And it was the day that all the live stuff came. Right. So I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to feed Stephanie this this rabbit. Uh, Stephanie was the big albino Burmese. And, and I'm like, you can't just give it to her, you know, give it to her live because the rabbit is obviously going to scratch her and try and bite her. If the rabbit's in fear of its life, it's going to do things that it normally wouldn't do. Right. Yeah, and want damage the snake. Well, well, right, right, exactly. You don't want a bite mark on your, you know, your $20,000 snake that makes it only worth 13000 now, you know? And not, not that, you know, this snake was that expensive, but it, it was, a you know, a bigger, you know, nicer snake at the time. So I, I was looking at the rabbit, and Juan would just um, break the neck really quick, like grab it by the neck and then pull the back of it. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm going to vomit if I do that. Like if I, <laughs> if I just kill this thing, right? So I'm looking at the rabbit and the rabbit's looking at me and I'm like, I'm like man, I got to figure out a way to kill you, right? <laughs> so I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll take the big snake hook, right? The snake hook is like a, you know, a piece of metal with uh, basically a, a, a grasper on the other end. And I said, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take the flat end of the grasper and I'll just – Hit this, hit this rabbit on the neck, and I'll be able to kill it really quick, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I put it in the bathtub, and uh, I jammed the thing down on its neck. And uh, man, it, it it took like twenty five minutes for this thing to die, right? Oh, no. <laughs> and and as it was dying, it was screaming like a baby, right? Like a fuck you, like I was murdering a baby, right? And um, I I sat on the toilet after that. Yeah, you know, 
after I just killed this, this rabbit in the tub. And I was almost like crying, right? <laughs> like just, but like, like you're such a scumbag. Like fucking, you know. Yeah, this thing has to eat, but you, you know, you should have just risked, you know, letting nature do it and put it in there. And so I take the, um, I I take the the same snake hook that I killed the rabbit with, and we kept Stephanie in a walk-in closet type of cage with a you know glass front. And um, as soon as I walked in there with uh, the same hook that I killed the rabbit with, she immediately went into like a food response, right? Yeah, you suddenly smelled <laughs> like food. <laughs> right. And this snake bit me on the leg and wrapped around me so fucking fast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That I, 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 I might have shit myself, I think. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it hurt. You know, like it definitely hurt. You said it was but, like a 13, 15 footer? Four, yeah, fourteen or fifteen oh, foot. Yeah, God. and um, it, it, I, I'm looking down at the snake, and um, the snake is just looking at me, and you could see in its eyes that the snake is just like, ah, oh, dude, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> you came in here, you smell like fucking food. I, you know, I just struck at the first thing I saw, and uh, I had to call my girlfriend upstairs, and she poured Listerine and alcohol into Stephanie's mouth. Oh no. So they oh. they don't like. They don't like the taste of it, so they'll let go. Uh huh. And then wow. we had to unwrap the snake for me, but I still got the scar to this day, like like uh like four hundred teeth, you know, just <laughs> just into my thigh, and it's about a it's about a nine inch um uh you know scar, which means that the snake's mouth open was about nine inches. Wow, dude, a fifteen so. footer. I couldn't imagine that because when I was holding that ten footer, it was at one point like wrapped around an arm wrapped around my chest and then it like threw a loop around my neck and yeah. then like just slowly started tightening to the point where all of a sudden my face was turning really red. I was wearing a flash <laughs> shirt and my face was about as red as the shirt. And I said to the guy, I was like, I don't know if it's going to get any tighter, but you might want to start helping me. <laughs> and so then the guy kind of pulled him off. And he's like, yeah, next time just don't let him just cut him off before or cut her off before she Wraps around your neck. I'm like, Wraps, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and at least she did it slow. When when mine did it, it was so it happened so fast. You, you wouldn't think that you, you know this 120 pound snake could move that fast. And uh, I, I mean, it 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 happened so fast. I didn't even know <laughs> you know what was going on until she wrapped around me. So you, you definitely you know could see like, man, I could see how these motherfuckers in the wild will you know take down like a little deer. Or something oh, right? because it, it's so fast, you know. That's oh, so freaky. I think that's one of the things that that freak people out about snakes so much is just that they, you know, they they move in a way that is just so different from the way we move. That yeah, I think it's along the same lines as like spiders and like centipedes and shit. Well, it's like, uh, and when you deal with big ones, you know, that it's because they look at you like. Uh, like, let's say, like, a shark would look at you. Like, you know how a shark just looks at you, and you could tell it's thinking, like, dude, I could eat you and shit you out, and it wouldn't make a lick of difference to my day. Okay? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> hey, shark being a shark. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's, that's just a snake. Be well, and that's the difference between somebody having a dog as a pet and a snake as a pet. Like, yeah. Like, that snake's, like, it's never going to be your buddy. 
But maybe well, it will. Maybe you could prove me wrong on that. But in my mind, no. it's like, I don't know if you can get a snake the same way as like a dog or a cat. No, I, I love these idiots on Facebook where they have their reptile and they're like, oh, my reptile's showing me love. And you're like, you fucking moron. That reptile is tolerating you because <laughs> you're a source of warmth. You, you know, and, and that's the only reason he's doing that's that. That's a solid point. Yeah, you know, you're, you're warm. So, that's a cold-blooded creature. He's going to wrap right. around you to sit, take some of that warmth. Yeah, these fucking idiots. Now, you, you know, we we uh, we went out and bought a dog too because uh, sometime in the middle of all this, we we uh, we bought a ranch in Colorado, right? And I moved to Colorado, and it's it's so nice there, right? But we didn't really know anybody there, so I was like, man, I need a friend, right? <laughs> and, and I don't trust any of these fucking, you know, these fucking hicks. So um, I, I'm going to I'm gonna buy a dog, right? But I was like, I want a dog that's like me. I want a dog that gets tired walking up steps. I want a dog that doesn't want to run anywhere, you know? And I was like, I'm going to get an English bulldog, right? So my girlfriend was like, I found an English bulldog from a breeder in Hungary. Uh, the dog costs $4,000 and we got to pay for the ticket you know, plane ticket for the dog to get here. And I'm like, fucking cool, man. Fucking let's get that dog. And um, I lived in Grand Junction, uh, Colorado, which didn't have a major air- airport in it. So the closest airport was Denver or Salt Lake City. And um, the, they were like four hours away. And I'm like, I'm not going to fucking drive four hours to pick up a fucking dog. Like, what are you out of your mind? Right. This dog is flying like fucking 12 hours. <laughs> So I paid a guy to go pick up the dog for for me, right? (laughs) So he brought the dog home, and uh, he was like, here's your fucking $4,000 dog, you idiot. You know, you know you could have got a dog for 80 bucks down at the, you know. And I was like, yeah, but those dogs, you know, they're a little fucked in the head, you know. So uh, I was like, this dog at least will be smart, right? So, and it was a little fat bulldog, right? And it was cute as shit. And, you know, you could tell it had trouble breathing and all that. And I was like, oh, he's just like me, right? <laughs> so, so I had the, you know, my office in this particular house was downstairs. And um, I would hear the dog come down because the dog would just like make it for like two steps and then fall the rest of the way, right? So it would be like, it would be like, boom, boom, boom. And then the dog would just roll out by the bottom of the steps, right? And then the dog would just walk behind me, and he just stared me in the eyes like this little fucking bulldog puppy and just took a shit right on my rug. And I was like, I was like, you motherfucker, are you kidding me, right? So uh, I was like, at the the time we had, you know, (laughs) housekeepers and shit. I was like, how am I going to get this off the floor, right? So I called my housekeeper and she came over and she cleaned the shit, right? But then the next day, then the next day, the fucking dog did it again, right? And, and like, if he could have, with his paws, he would have given me the, the finger every time. Like, this dog just hated me, right? Oh, no. So, hated me on sight, you know? But like, I was a, a capitalist and he was a socialist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he'd shit on the floor every day and fucking... I ended up naming him Regis because I, every time he shit on the floor, I would be like, Regis Christ, right? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I got rid of him after 10 days. <laughs> oh. 
I just, we just gave him to my girlfriend's cousin in Oregon. <laughs> hey, want a four thousand dollar dog that was born on yeah. the other side of the world? He, um, we saw the dog again about three years later, and the dog was like a fucking tank. And uh, the dog still looked at me like he fucking hated me. Wow. You know, what so I, I, I don't know, man. That, that, you know, I, that dog was like knew what I did when I was fucking eighteen. You know, like fucking. <laughs> Uh, he just didn't give a fuck. That dog was like, I will kill you. And then what I did was I had when I was growing up that I felt that way about because like when that dog got like older and, you know, got older in age, when my mom and dad would leave town, like that dog would just like stare at me and just like shake like it was afraid of me. Now, I've always been a really, really loud person. And so (laughs) that's what my mom always said. Well, you're just too loud. It scares him. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to scare him, and I fucking live with him. You'd think he'd be used to my loud ass. Right. But when they would leave town, and I'd be home alone with the dog, that dog in the middle of the night would just, like, be yipping and yapping outside my bedroom door. And so then I'd go out my bedroom door to tell the dog to shut the fuck up and step right in a puddle of piss. There you go. Right in front of my door every time. And it's like, oh, I swear to God he does it on purpose. That dog's like, fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah, they that I when I was uh 16, I think my mother bought a dog for the house and I'm like, "The fuck you buying a dog now for? I'm 16. I don't want a fucking dog at 16. I want to go out and attempt to get laid, you know? Like fucking this, this is going to this is going to crimp my style." And um like a year later, my mother took the dog to the vet and she came back and she was like, "Uh, the dog has internal bleeding." And, uh, you know, it's like um, the doctor said that he was getting sharp jolts to, to the ribs and the stomach. And I, was, and I was telling my mother, I was like, I swear to God, I didn't do it, you know, to the dog. And she was like, fuck you. You, you know, you're a piece of shit, you know. And uh, like five years later at a barbecue after the dog had already died, uh, I was sitting at the table with my father and some of his friends. And they were talking about the dog. And my father was like, that little motherfucker when – Rosalie, and that's my mother, when when she went out, he goes, I would kick that motherfucker all the time. Oh, and I'm like, no. you motherfucker, I got blamed for that. Yeah, <laughs> and, he's like, well, and he's like, yeah, I know. Well, and beyond the fact, what kind of fucking asshole kicked that dog? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if the dog's, like, attacking your baby. Yeah, kick that fucking dog. But... Nah, they're, they're, yeah, well, well they're, you know, they're old school. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true, a different generation. Well, yeah, I remember yeah. hearing stories from, from you know, like, grandparents and stuff that grew up out on the farm that you know if the you know if the barn cat had another litter of kittens and we didn't want more cats we'd take those kittens and we'd put them in a gunny sack and put a brick in it and throw it in the creek right and throw it in the river that's right oh that's but i mean you know what most americans now are so removed from like the the real nitty-gritty necessities of life do you think the average person could take a chicken with feathers on it that's you know and like now then turn that into supper no, I couldn't. I, pfft, are you kidding me? I don't even eat an orange if it's off a tree. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I got to peel this fucking thing? Are you kidding well, me? Well, one of the houses we were living in had a, a, an orange orchard and or is that what they call it? Or an orange grove? A bunch of orange trees on it and uh, a bunch of lemon trees on it, right? And I never ate a lemon. My girlfriend would take the lemon off the tree and then uh, just put it in the garbage disposal so it wouldn't smell, you know. And um, I was outside with uh, my old my old singer from the band, and um, 
he just reached up and pulled an orange off the tree and started, you know, peeling it and eating it. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, are you out of your mind? And he's like, well, this is the best time to eat it. And I'm like, listen, oranges belong in a pile with other oranges <laughs> <laughs> with a barcode on each of them at the supermarket. You know, like you can't eat off the fucking tree. Like bugs are crawling all over that. Like, what are you out of your fucking mind? That's and he's just funny. like, yeah, you're a dick. And that's like <laughs> the same reason I never went fishing or I never went hunting or I, I, I can't do that shit. If I had to chop the head off a chicken like they did on Survivor, I, you know, then you'd be cleaning up dead chicken and vomit because <laughs> I'd be you know, I'd be throwing up, too. So it's, it's insane. I don't know how you guys do that. Yeah. Well, I grew up doing that stuff, man. My um, uh, I grew up in a small town uh, in Iowa here and there Let's see, when I was four, three or four years old, my grandpa bought a cabin that was along the river just outside of town, just a few miles outside of the small town that I grew up in. And then eventually my, my, I think they bought it with my folks, but anyway, eventually my folks ended up owning the cabin, but I grew up out there like, you know, playing in the river bottoms and, and there was a bunch of old timers that already had cabins out there. And uh, one of them was a, a guy who had the cabin right next door to us. And he had been a frogman in the Navy, which was like, I guess, kind of like what preceded the SEALs. So right, he, right. He was like a, you know, old fucking badass dude. Loved Schlitz beer. His cabin was full of Schlitz beer memorabilia. Clocks, neon signs, mirrors, fucking everything Schlitz. Um, but I remember they were telling me stories that they would park their, their boat like up, like right up against a log jam. Do you know what a log jam is in a river? Uh, is that the thing that the beavers build? <laughs> That'd be a beaver dam. <laughs> so, like, okay, so, you know, the riverbanks are constantly eroding. And so any trees that are next to the bank, eventually those are just going to fall in the river. Okay. When the river gets really high, those trees will float up enough that they don't catch on stuff on the bank or on the bottom. And they'll actually float down the river. Now, eventually, they're going to hit a bend in the river or something like that. And it's going to get hung up on the bank. And then a bunch of other trees catch in it. And so before you know it, you have this big log jam of fallen trees that are all stuck together in the river. And then since the water has to then go around that, it actually digs out deeper spots along the bank and underneath the right. log jam. And stuff, and so it makes for really, really good fishing holes. Um, and these guys said that they would park their boats right in one of these log jams, hold onto the anchor, and just go overboard and get taken all the way to the bottom, and then feel along the bank for like the big holes in the bank where really big catfish would just kind of hang out during the day. I don't know if you've ever been to a, an aquarium that has like really, really big fucking catfish in it, but for the oh, most oh part, yes, so some of my friends have uh, like the three or four foot catfish yeah and so those fucking yeah. you know how they just hang out and then just wait for something to come in front of it that they yeah. can eat and then they eat it and so yeah these guys would and that was like this was me hearing about noodling before i knew it was called noodling <laughs> I, I didn't know it was actually called noodling until like i watched like fucking dirty jobs or some shit like that <laughs> right and then mike rowe was telling me i'm like that's what those crazy old fuckers down at the river were telling me about when i was a kid now, now were they the 80s were they sticking their arms in, in its mouth to get, you know, to catch it? That's what they said they'd do. They said they would just reach around on the bank until they found a hole, and then they'd just reach in the hole and see if they found something. That's fucking crazy, something. man. If a big catfish clamped down on their hand, they would just grab it by the gills and pull it up. And Yeah, but doesn't the – when it clamps down on your arm, doesn't that hurt? 
Well, see, catfish has got their their teeth. They don't really have like sharp, like jagged teeth, like a like a shark or 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 even like a gar or something like that. They they're more like uh, sandpaper, and it's like you know, kind of the reverse facing shit. It's powerful enough that they can bite fish in half and stuff right. like that. But I mean, you can have like a forty pound like flathead catfish chomp down on your hand and like if it wiggles around and stuff it might give you what'll kind of look like a rope burn like right okay if you just took some okay. like rough grit sandpaper and rubbed it on your hand real rough right it's gonna be real right. pink worst case scenario it might bleed in a couple spots but i mean you're not talking about like the thing's gonna bite your fucking arm off or something like right that. i i gotcha okay um, all right so so there's no real danger of getting you know killed when you do that re- well i think the biggest dangers would be Number one, you're going underwater under a log jam, which is probably in the channel of the river. And so you're entering a really unpredictable environment where you could get tangled up in something and not be able to surface. But then they told me fucking stories about pulling river eels out of the banks, too, that were like four foot long. And I'm like, fuck that. And to this day, I don't know if they were telling the truth or not. I didn't want to find out. But... um, Eels are gross as shit. Eels are fuck, totally man. gross. And I grew up on yeah. the Princess Bride. So it's like the, those are the eels I'm picturing in my head. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and um but yeah, dude, I um as soon as I was tall enough to reach, you know, the cleaning table, I learned how to clean a catfish. And so catfish is is one of the types of fish where they don't have scales, they have a skin. Right. And so you'd have to take your fillet knife and you'd make a little slit um right kind of behind their gills. Um, there's like a little bone that kind of sticks out right behind there. And so you do a slit through the skin, but try and not cut all the way down through, through the filet. And you do a couple slits along the top and the bottom. And then you'd have skinning pliers, which are like these pliers with like a really wide end. And you grab that skin and hold onto the fish's head and just peel its skin right back towards its tail. Oh. And you'd have to peel the skin off both sides and then take your filet knife and just cut the filets off. Oh, but gross. No, here's where it gets really fucking metal, though. When we, <laughs> when you catch a really, really big flathead catfish. Now, flathead, there was two types of catfish that we would catch in the Cedar River where I'm at. There would be channel cat and flathead. Um, we'd occasionally see ones that we'd swear were blue catfish, but the Iowa DNR claims there's no blue catfish in the Cedar. But we've seen ones that supposedly the expert would say, no, that's a channel cat. And it's like, I don't know, it looks like a blue to me. But um, flathead were the biggest prize. Um, channel cats will eat shit off the bottom. And so that's what you catch with like stink bait and shit like that. Have you ever heard of stink bait? I have heard of it, but Uh, I've heard of it on, uh, like one of these dumb fishing shows, like uh, river (laughs) monsters or something like that. It's horrifying shit. Like imagine, (laughs) like imagine peanut butter that like smells like roadkill plus diarrhea plus rotting cheese. Oh, you know, it sounds like the peanut butter I have in my house. (laughs) And so you get these weird ass fucking lures that are like basically rub, like ribbed rubber with like a treble hook, like a three hook treble hook sticking out the end. And you glob it in that shit and it'd come out like a big disgusting turd. And you'd flop that in the water and wait for some disgusting fucking channel cat to be like, "Mm, that smells yummy. And then they eat it and then you'd, you know, pull them out. Well, flathead, they only eat live bait. And so the fillets actually taste a lot better because you're not eating something that's a fucking bottom feeder. Right, because you're not eating garbage. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, but catch and flathead were a lot tougher because generally you'd have to put like a, we had, my dad called them ditty poles. And so I don't know if that's something local to Iowa or what, but basically it's like a bank pole. So it's, it's a fishing pole that doesn't have a reel or anything like that on it. The ones that my dad used were, it was made of like a piece of rebar 
that like went down in the bank and then it had PVC piping coming off of it. And then a really big, heavy string and Mondo fucking fishing hook off the end. And you'd set it. And so that the hook was only maybe like a foot or so below the surface of the water. And you'd hook a live bluegill that was maybe about the size of like a credit card or so you'd hook right. it right behind its dorsal fin. And so it would be in the water and it'd still be swimming around, but it's on a hook. Right. Okay. And so gotcha. you would drive around the boat at night as it was getting dark and you'd set all these hooks and then we'd also do bank lines also, where it'd just be like a really long piece of nylon cord with like, say like a half dozen different hooks hanging off of it. And then a brick on the end and you'd tie it off to like a tree or something like that on the bank and then bait all these hooks and then drop the brick in the water. And then in the morning, then you'd get back out in the boat and go around, check all your bank lines, all your ditty poles. And then you'd haul in all the catfish you caught. And the goal was to always catch these really, really big flatheads because they were so tasty. But the only thing with flatheads were is they were a lot bloodier fish than a channel cat. And so you'd have to cut. We had a hatchet that you'd cut the catfish's tail off. And then we had a tree with a board on it with a bunch of six-inch nails sticking out at an upward angle. And you just stick that catfish right, right through its head on the nail and hang it there and let it bleed for two hours before you'd clean it. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this shit when I'm like fucking six. You know, yeah, that, that, I grew up doing this stuff. <laughs> that's fucking gross, man. I, I, I can't even fucking imagine. I, I couldn't even take a fish off the hook. I don't think if I caught like a fish, fish the size of my cell phone, I would be like, I'm not touching that shit. Like, what are you out of your mind? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, dude. I, and sometimes you get them in the boat and they'd be all flopping around. You don't want to like jump back in the water. And so you'd like pick up the anchor and just bash it in the head. Well, well, that's one it. thing that I would actually love to do <laughs> is I, I would love to catch something like a big tuna or something and uh, have to club it like a baby seal once you get it on the boat. That's um, something you legit have to do with really big fish. I, I know. Well, the, and I was talking to my father about it. I was like, you know, you're, you're 75 now or whatever. So you know what that means. You know, it's like tick-tock, tick-tock, motherfucker. But let's fucking go fishing before you drop dead, right? So we could do like a father-son thing. And I, I was like, let's go catch a shark or let's go catch a giant tuna. And he's like, why do you want to do that? And I'm like, because I want to fucking club it when we get it on the boat and video it, and it would probably be funny, right? And uh, my father was like, I'm not going to kill nothing. I don't want to go. Out. And I'm like, fuck you, you fucking liberal douchebag. You know, like fucking I, – I, I'm just like nobody wants to do it except like people my age. Like my friends my age, we talk about it every summer, but then we're like – Nah, that's far away. You know, I don't want to drive two hours <laughs> to have to do that. <laughs> and then, like, you know, if you're on the boat, like, what if what if you have to take a shit? Is there a bathroom on the boat? You know, because I'm not gonna sit on the edge of the boat and shit in the in the water. You know, like <laughs> gross. Like, so it's uh, it's just something that we haven't done yet. But I, I know we we will probably do it in the next couple of years. <laughs> nice. And I've never even seen the ocean. So, I mean, that's a, that's like an entirely different type of, of, uh, fishing than, than what I've done. I've, everything I've done has just been in small bodies of water. Like I, right, I did right. some lakes in, in, um, Minnesota that were good sized lakes, but I mean, you know, nothing, nothing so big to where if you're in the boat and all of a sudden you gotta take a shit, it's like, all right, time to head back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's tracking the amount of times I fucking stood up on the back of the boat and pissed off the back of it, though. Uh, that I might consider doing. <laughs> I got some friends in Arkansas that they tell me uh, 
you know, you just bring a Home Depot bucket, you know, and you shit in the butt. And I'm like, I ain't shitting in a bucket, okay? It's just well, like, come on. Less in a John boat with other yeah. people around you? <laughs> right. Uh, no. Like, how nasty could you be? Like, fucking, ah, these like, people are gross. Well, I, th- and that, and if it's like, okay, if we're out somewhere, it's like if you're in Arkansas, it's like, come on, how far away from the bank can we be? Go drop right. it off at the bank. <laughs> Let me go. Yeah, come back and get me in 20 hole. minutes. You know? <laughs> That's the way these fucking horror movies start, though, because you're like, come get me in 20 minutes. I'm going to take a shit. And then fucking the next thing you know, a guy in a mask is trying to butt fuck you while you're taking a shit, you know? So it's it's like, and and if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen in Arkansas. It's totally right. you know? <laughs> So I don't, Dude, I don't play around. Do you know how often I've thought about, like, I just need to get a banjo and just learn how to play the first few chords? <laughs> Of dueling banjos, and then I'm just gonna go hang out in the woods, and I'm gonna wait for people in canoes to go by, and I'm just gonna and watch them freak the fuck out, and I'm gonna just giggle my silly little ass off. Yeah, well, you'd be you'd be terrifying out there if I did the same thing here. You know, fucking, they'd beat me with clubs and fucking arrest me. You know, so it's, it's like, or they would just walk right past me because it's normal. You know, for New York. So it, it's like it, it's just I live in the worst place possible that you could live. You know, like I live in the biggest shithole on the fucking planet. And um, it, it, it just sucks every day more and more here. You at least live in a nice place with nice scenery and nice, you know, uh, you know, you're around nature all the time. Me, I fucking surrounded by concrete and fucking people that I hate. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, right? I would hate that. I would not be able to live in a big city like that. It's a pain in the ass, man. But, you know, at the same time, you know, like when I lived in the, the Colorado, it was, uh, you know, my nearest neighbor was, you know, three miles away or whatever. And um, I, I definitely liked that more. But then I thought, man, if somebody's murdering me and I'm screaming at the top of my, leg, my lungs, nobody's going to hear me. Well, then so, that's why people who live in the middle of nowhere are well armed. Or at least they yeah, probably fucking should be. Yeah, I tried to get a gun here in New York, and it was like a four-year process. And I'm like, "Fuck this," you yeah, know. That's that's totally different. Like, yeah. God, and dude, we, I we, think things are so lax in Iowa now. The last I looked into it, I don't even think you have to like take a course to get a concealed carry here. <laughs> I, which blows my fucking mind. Like, I had a concealed carry for for a couple of years, and, right? And eventually, I, I got to the point where. I just stopped caring because I'd read enough case files where, you know, somebody was in a justified situation to shoot like an intruder in their home, an armed intruder, and then they still got sued by that person's family for wrongful oh. death. And uh, then in a, in a lot of these ones I looked into, it was like the family was suing this person for the wrongful death of a relative that they all had restraining orders against because they were violent. <laughs> and so it's like, wow, yeah, I mean, that's... That's the way that our litigious society works, you know, is that if, if yeah. somebody has a means to get money in a way like that, it's it's going to work out. And so I heard about it enough that it freaked me out. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm just not going to carry anymore. And if if I am that worried about this sort of shit, then, then I'll just carry pepper spray with me. But uh, the whole reason I bought a gun in the first place was, well, I grew up shooting rifle and shotgun. But my, my dad was never into handguns, and so I never shot a handgun until um, – so the town I live in in much of Iowa got flooded in 2008. Okay. 
And so the the town that I live in was like 95% like evacuated or some shit like that. And we had like 18 inches of water going through the main level of our house. Everything was ruined. Oh. Yeah. And so we had to, you know, gut it out. And I replaced the lower four feet of my house. Like, you know, took it all the way down to the studs and the subflooring and cleaned the shit out of everything. Put this um, anti-mold treatment all over everything and then built everything back up. Well, during the construction process, we were one of the first people in our area to move back into our house. And so it was really fucking creepy at night because there was just fucking nothing, nobody else around. And there's all these reports on the news about, you know, new con- or um, houses that were being worked on from the flood were targets for uh, burglary because they were stealing construction tools and then selling them and shit like that. And so my wife, who was like staunchly anti-gun for the longest time, like didn't even want me to have like a shotgun in the house was like, I think we need to get a gun. And it's like, okay, well, if we're going to have a handgun, we need to learn how to safely use it and all that. And, um, her cousin is, is really into guns, has lots of them and offered to take us out and just had like a fucking plethora of different guns. Here's a 22. Here's a nine millimeter. Here's a 45. Oh, and then I, here's an AR 15 and an AK 47 to shoot just for fun. And like it was, it was a blast. And so then we ended up getting into shooting and had, let's see, Lindsay had a full size Glock nine millimeter and I had a compact Glock nine millimeter. And so for the longest time, that was what we did. That was like our big hobby. Like we were going out to the gun range every, every weekend and shooting. Right. And, and I, I think that that adage of, you know, if you walk around carrying a hammer, more things start looking like nails. Right. <laughs> is absolutely fucking true. Because, like, I kind of had myself in this mindset where it was like, fuck, everywhere I, need, I go, I need to carry this gun. Right, right. It's like, well, what if something happens? What, and what I if this happens? Don't have yeah. it. <laughs> and, and then, like, I just kind of like, well, then I, I got into rock climbing and then that started mellowing me out. I started spending a lot more time in the woods. Right. And, and then all of a sudden I started wanting to buy climbing gear and I'm looking at all these guns that I have. And I'm like, you know. I could turn this into a rope and a rack real quick. <laughs> well, you spend the time in a place where if anything goes wrong, you you probably would need one of those guns. Well, and what's funny, too, is that, you know, all the times that, you know, I because, mean, yeah, if if you're out in the woods in Iowa, you could run into, like, a crazy person. but Or, or like a bear, okay. right? Or <laughs> Well, actually, that's what's cool about Iowa is that it's like generally if you're in the woods and you're not, like, injured, you're you're the apex predator. Like, I don't know, man. I saw the, the Finding Bigfoot, and it looks like they have a lot of squatches in fucking Iowa. Okay, I'm not going to lie. The The first time my wife and I went out and did a night hike, so we just both had headlamps on, and we went to a state park, which is like just outside of Cedar Rapids, called Palisades Kepler. Awesome area. Lots of really big limestone bluffs, lots of big hills, and um, you know drainage gullies and ravines and shit like that. And so we're hiking it at night, and out of nowhere, I get the biggest fear of we're going to find out Sasquatch is real because he's going to kill us. That's right. <laughs> and like I could not shake that fucking thought. And no matter how many times I told myself, it's like, dude, you practically live out in the woods. What are the chances that fucking ten minutes outside of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in like one of the most heavily traveled state parks, you're gonna get fucking eaten by a squatch. Like fucking calm down, dude. Slow that would roll. be fucking awesome though. I, I could just see Joe <laughs> like scrap like looking at a tree with your, your light with your stupid little headlight on your fucking head and uh you're just looking at your wife and be like, seems like a squatch might have been hanging out here. <laughs> right. 
And well, your, your wife would just be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Yeah, and you see glowing eyes and stuff because, you know, you're looking around, you're wearing a headlamp. And so any animal that then is out at night, because I remember we saw this one set of eyes and we're like, what the fuck is that? And then as we get closer, it was a baby raccoon. It was about 15 <laughs> feet up in this tree and it was just hanging on for dear life and just peeking around at us. The thing was fucking adorable. Yeah, but you, but you ended up thinking it was a 15 foot tall Bigfoot <laughs> that I was staring at so you. Right? Out, dude. I have such an overactive imagination for shit like that. Like... <laughs> Um, like I said earlier that I've never seen the ocean and like, right. I, part of me was like, yeah, it would be cool to see and experience and stuff, but I don't want to go in the ocean. Like not even a little, like, no, 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 no. Like that. I don't know if I saw jaws for the first time at too young of an age or what the fuck, but I have a, like a rational fear of sharks for somebody that's like lived in Iowa <laughs> for their entire <laughs> life to the point where dude, I, sh- this is really embarrassing. Um, there's these little ponds everywhere alongside the, the interstate system that goes through Iowa. And uh, growing up, my dad called them borrow pits because he said that when they built the roadbeds, they'd dig these holes in the ground, borrow dirt from them to build up the raised roadbeds. And um, they, I get all these country terms from my dad, and I have no idea how many of them are actually real or not. <laughs> it's fantastic, though. Um, but um, so, yeah, he always called them these borrow pits. And uh, there was one of them that was not too far away from my house that was just beautiful water. They dug down about 30 feet and then they hit a layer of sand that was like close enough to the water table that then the whole thing filled up with water. And so there's all these ponds alongside uh, the interstate system, at least as it goes through Iowa, where you'll see all these little ponds and they're there just because they dug enough dirt out to build the roadbeds. They struck the water table and now you got a spring fed pond there. And they're usually really good for bass fishing and shit like that. And uh, we were out in this one pond that we used to go fishing all the, all the time. And it was really hot in the summertime. And so we just all jumped in. And we were all just like treading water out in the middle. And we were talking about how cool it was to be in the spring-fed lake. Because it was like, yeah, it was cold as fuck. But, I mean, you could be treading water with it up to your chin and look down and, like, make out all ten of your toes. The water was just so crystal clear. Right. We were talking about that. And so I'm looking at my toes. And then I'm looking at the inky darkness under my feet. That I'm just treading water over, and I'm just picturing that gray and white form coming up at me super fast. <laughs> and, like, I just banish it. Be like, no, don't don't think about it. Just tread water. Everybody's fine. You're in, you're in a 30-foot farm pond. This isn't even salt water. And then, like, I wouldn't, even be able to, I wouldn't be able to take it anymore. And all of a sudden, I would just break formation and just swim as hard as I could to the shore. And all my friends knew what was going on. And they'd all be laughing, like, ah, oh, Stark's thinking about sharks again. Yeah, they're like, there's that fucking Stark just acting like a fag again. <laughs> like fucking swimming to the edge because he thinks the shark is going to attack him in a lake. I, I, I okay? told you, dude, it's a <laughs> rational fear. <laughs> but could you imagine what it would be like if I was actually in the ocean? And I, Like if I was in a fucking shipwreck or something, it would be like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I ain't I, treading water. I would be doing nothing but thinking about that fucking story that Quint tells in Jaws. After the, the fucking Indianapolis sinks and they're all treading water and he goes over to talk to his buddy who was the baseball player and he'd been bit clean in half. I'm like, no. That, well, well I, I could see that happening, but I go to um, Daytona Beach every year because there is a, a big reptile show down there and I go and actually do the other podcast from there, right? And um, the, it, it's at the Ocean Center, which is um, – right across the street from the Hilton, which has its own beach property right up to the ocean, right? And um, 
you know, we walk on a beach, you, you know, at night and, uh, you know, me and my stupid snake friends and a guy went in there and fucking, he just went in the ocean about three feet, you know, um, you know, where the water was three feet up to his waist and he starts looking in the water and he's like, I'm going to grab a fish. And I'm like, a thousand dollars, you're never going to grab a fish, right? That motherfucker reaches in the first time and brought a fish up, right? No way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it was squirming a little bit, but you could tell that he did it, right? And I was like, you're going to have to do that again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he must have tried like 500 times to do it again, and he couldn't do it again, right? Total and, uh, luck. Yeah, absolutely you know so um you know i'm like get out of that fucking ocean now because you know it's getting dark and the, the sharks are gonna come you know and, and fucking eat you and uh you know i wake up at around 5 30 in the morning and i go down to the lobby of the hilton now the hilton is like real it's it's a nice place right <laughs> and i see this same doofus he must have went out the night before and bought a fishing pole <laughs> And and he uh, like a Gilligan hat, and he, I was like, Dave, what what the fuck are you doing? And, and he's like, I, I'm gonna, I gotta catch another fish, <laughs> you know. Because I spent three hundred dollars on this fishing rod, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, dude, we could have went to breakfast and fucking, you know, like all week for three hundred dollars, you fucking idiot. But um, I, I I I'm terrified every time I see people in the ocean. Because I'm just like, man, there's shit under there that you have no idea of, you know, so. Oh, you are so far from the top of the food chain in the ocean. Yeah. Like, it's, but... it's it's just ridiculous. Have you seen all the videos of how sharks, great white sharks are getting super close to the the beaches in California? Oh, yeah. That's because that's, you know, that's where all the people are. Of course they're going to get close. Well, now it's like, well, since there's nobody in the water, it's almost like the sharks are now coming in oh, super stop, close. Stop, stop. You're not one of these people, are you? Oh, about oh, <laughs> watch nature healing itself. Yeah. Well, no, it is true, though. I mean, if the air quality is getting better in L.A. Li and Yes, listen, okay. In Endgame, Captain America was like, <laughs> I saw whales in the Hudson – uh, and that was five years after fucking Thanos knocked out half the people in the world. We're two months into this, and people are like, oh, the canals in Venice are clean now. All <laughs> oh, the dolphins are coming. Shut the fuck up. No, they're not. You dumb cunts. Stop it. Those pictures it's of like, the canals in Venice were pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the earth is healing itself. Go fuck yourself, you fucking moron. It did not look oh, like the canals as I saw them in the last crusade. <laughs> oh my god you wanted them you drank the kool-aid <laughs> chris the earth is healing <laughs> well, well yeah when people say the earth is healing that is some very hippy dippy shit it's been like a month right <laughs> well and that's the the thing that always cracks me up when when people like well number one i think climate change deniers are a little bit off their rocker and I, I think they tend to be generally more motivated by following a political ideology than listening to like 90 plus percent of the the scientists right, who are right. talking oh, about of, it of, of course yeah uh, yeah i, I but, agree with you 100 but, but here's the one thing that that does kill me about this when when people are like you know global warming is killing the planet and it's like it's not killing the planet it all it's going to do is make the planet a lot more difficult 
for life as we know it to live on, especially like, you know, the, 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 the really big stuff like humans and elephants and all that sort of shit, because it's like, we, we're really lucky that we've lived in this stable climate for as long as we have. And, but it's like, dude, if you look at like the geological history of the planet, there's been times where the entire thing's been a fireball. There's been times where the entire thing has been a snowball. And we're just lucky that we're living in this brief fucking heartbeat that, that it's really fucking nice. And, in you know, we are seeing more erratic weather patterns and shit like that. Like we're having flooding in the Midwest way more regularly than, than right. we usually do and shit like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So buy a smart car. Right. <laughs> no, I it, remember it makes a lot of sense. I remember what Carlin said, uh, during one of his, uh, HBO specials, he was like, Maybe, just maybe, the Earth needed us to get its supply of plastic, okay? And nobody ever thought of that, okay? So it, it, it's I, I, I tend to agree with him. And it doesn't matter if all of these fucking morons here in America – buy their little smart cars and fucking like, I'm going to go off the grid and I'm going to get my solar panels on the fight. It doesn't matter what you do unless like India stops doing what they're doing or China stops. Exactly. stops There's doing so what many people doing. in India and China that it's like, they are actually making a really, really huge, you know, contribution to all this global warming stuff. And that if everybody in America switched, it would still just be a drop in the bucket. So you're absolutely exactly, right. exactly. So fuck. I mean, have have you ever seen India? We were talking about um, was that fucking movie with Thor in it on Extraction. Uh, Netflix? Extraction. What a shithole. Okay, <laughs> what a fucking shithole that is. Trump. I, look, look, I'm not a giant Trump fan, but he was absolutely right to call these places shitholes. Okay, because. Where would you rather live in Nigeria or fucking Denmark? No, you have a good point. It's my biggest problem with the majority of the shit that comes out of 45's mouth is that it's just I think it's unbecoming of that office to act like that because Oh, oh 100%. Because that sort of shit rolls downhill. 100%. You know. But but however. <laughs> He is funny, though. <laughs> if he wasn't the leader of the free world, I think it was a lot funnier. And I'm not going to lie. Back when he had his feud with Rosie O'Donnell, that, that shit was pretty funny. And I was like, wow, the lengths that he's going to in this. When he had his, his um, roast on Comedy Central, I thought that shit right. was funny. I thought it he was handled great. it really well. I That's didn't right. take issue with him until, until he decided to dip his toes into politics. And, no, I I love it. It's like so clearly inept at it, not capable of handling this shit. But there's just such a cult of personality around him, and then all the fucking ever Trumpers that are absolutely obsessed with him and almost treat it like a cult. It's yeah. it's fucking strange times, Chris. It, it, it really is. Uh, he's like, all Mexicans are rapists. <laughs> Mexico's not sending their best people here. They're sending all their rapists here. <laughs> but yeah. the part the part that I loved. Well, number one, I loved when he was. Uh, Throwing the paper towels at the Puerto Rican people after the hurricane, I I loved that. That that was probably one of the funniest things that I've ever seen in my life. But <laughs> then missed, uh, he was throwing paper towels at them. Yeah, he was tossing paper towels to the Puerto Ricans. Christ, I wonder if they've <laughs> ever gotten any FEMA money or anything. Uh, I don't even care. Puerto Rico's another shithole. Um, <laughs> but it is a then, U.S. territory shithole. So. Don't don't care though. Don't don't care about it. 
and right. and I, I thought it, I I thought that he was so honest. Like like there was an interview with him where this woman's like, "You called all women pigs," and he said, "No, I think that I only called Rosie O'Donnell a pig," and she said, "No, you clearly said all women are pigs." He goes, "Huh? Eh, you're probably right." That's great. That's like, like, what are you going to say to that guy? Like, how are you going to argue, you know, with that guy after that? Fucking, I think the guy's fucking hysterical. That that does add a dimension into it is that, you know, how do you try and debate somebody that's like clearly not playing the same game as as you are? Right. Like that shit showed just when, when it was the primaries, you know, leading up to the the election that ended up being against him and Hillary when he was in those Republican primaries, that was fucking crazy shit. Well, and he was on fire too, like like back in those you know uh, where Hillary was like, you wouldn't do this, and I wouldn't be going through this, and he would just interrupt and he'd be like, yeah, because you'd be in jail, you know, <laughs> and uh, you, you know he was just on his game in those uh, you know politics or those primaries. The the problem is that there's enough Middle America. You know, who are racist, who do, you, you know, who lost their job in the, you know, in the uh, in the coal mines and shit. You know, uh, there's enough that that rally, you know, with him, like you said, a cult, cult of personality um, that and, and, you know, he's getting elected again. God, like, I fucking hope not. Dude, like I, they are. The uh, Democrats are putting up just these shitheads like fucking <laughs> like Biden. But the rapist, but Biden, like it. It's so nice to finally see news outlets calling out Democrats the way they've been calling out Republicans for the last, you know, seven years or six years. Um, and it, it's great to see all those fucking memes with Biden, like fucking just like, like kissing this girl's neck or trying to touch this woman on the cheek, and she's just like, ew, you there know, are like a lot of creepy pictures <laughs> and videos like that. You're yeah. No, when when I found out that Bre- that it was really coming down to that the DNC was stuffing fucking Biden down our throats, I was like, are you fucking shitting me? But I mean, the polls among like older Americans, like the people that really do actually get out and vote, they like Biden a lot more than they liked Clinton, though. Ah, uh, possibly. I, I just, I, I think it's going to be a Trump's numbers are dropping also because people are not fucking thrilled with how he's handling this shit. Well, well, yes, but in his defense too, he he did handle this relatively quickly, and the the reason that everybody's getting or or you know we can shut down is because the economy was doing so good prior to this that I, I'm sure this is hurting the, the fuck out of the economy. Yeah, but the economy but, was only doing good for really, really wealthy people because that money wasn't going back into paying off the deficit or anything. The economy was doing well while the deficit continued to grow, and that's that's not good. And also, yeah, like but, middle, middle income wages didn't go up either. But don't you aspire to wealthy people? Well, you know, Chris, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. Maybe this would be a different conversation if I was a trust fund baby <laughs> and I grew up with a fucking <laughs> silver spoon in my mouth and I, w- I wasn't sitting in Iowa. I was in some high rise somewhere. I might have a different opinion on it. But like just growing up the way that I did, it's it, it's it's hard for me to be on the that side. I, I get it. You grew up like you were in deliverance. I, I, I totally get that. It's like <laughs> – you, you you were one of the uh, deplorables, you know, so fucking I, I, I get it. But fucking here on the coast where you're in more enlightened than middle American people and you're smarter, 
because that's, that's the way the mindset is. Um, you, you know, you grow up in, you, you know, uh, you know, upper middle, you know, middle income, and you never really wanted anything growing up. Now, had I grown up richer, like fucking my, my father was like a blue collar guy in the union and all that. Well, we still have, you know, debates to this day. Uh, like, like we can't get along with anything political, anything religious, you know, um, I, 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 I didn't know that we were middle class, but I certainly knew that we weren't rich. Okay. And I gave my father shit for that all the time. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, we never, we were never starving or anything like that when I was a kid and I don't, I don't remember us ever being on assistance or anything like that, but I mean, I definitely have like plenty of memories of, you know, like showing up for like the first day of school, you know, like in middle school, right. When kids start like forming cliques and really start turning right. into real cunts. I remember that. Like, I remember walking up to school for that first day of that year and waiting in line and like kids being like, Oh, Joe didn't get new shoes before school. Oh, huh. and it's like, well, the fuck you in you Nike pumps, you fucking asshole. Didn't, weren't we all playing fucking kickball last year? And now you guys are fucking too cool to hang out with me. Cause I don't have new Jordans. Fuck oh, you. And so, I don't know, basically like ever since that time, <laughs> I think that's when I really grew to hate people. I think it started in fucking middle school when I started realizing that it's like, wait, we were all fucking friends two years ago and now we're not just because of dumbass reasons. Like, Please let me try being a fat kid in high school whose last name is Eaton. Okay, <laughs> dude, you got me there. Uh, I was like, I was a fat kid in high school, but yeah, no. those jokes like, write themselves. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> don't be bothering Chris. He's Eaton. You know, like fucking. Uh, and I and I always told people, I you know, I I would make fun of other people and myself in order to, you know, to get it over with real quick well, exactly. just to be accepted by the cool, you know, the cool kids, you no, know, you take yourself out first and you try and make people laugh with it. And it's like, okay, right. if I can make them laugh, maybe they're going to forgive me the fact that I'm overweight, which then right. you fucking grow up with this thing in your mind that you're not fucking good enough just because your body is the way it is. And you know, that's, I don't know, that, that could take me down an entirely different. Wait, uh, let me tell you something. Growing up fat, was fucking not cool at all, but I really learned that um, I, I moved to L.A. when I was 25, and that's when I really kind of, you, you know, branched out a little bit, and I realized that fucking, like, dude, you you are a fat fuck, and I wasn't a fat fuck at the time. <laughs> I was, like, maybe maybe 210 or whatever. I'm like, you better build up your fucking game Otherwise, you're never going to get laid here, okay? So that was when I learned how to play the game where it didn't really matter what you looked like as long as you were funny and you were smart and you were intelligent and you made people laugh, you know? Because then you could get away with having a little bit of a fucking extra belly or, you know, um, being a little bit of a nerd. But I, I didn't really, you know, exceed at that until I moved to Hollywood and you had to fucking do it. Wow, what took you out to LA? Uh, I was getting divorced, and I wanted to be—I wanted to move as far as I could away from New York without have to, you know, having to physically leave the country. Yeah, that's, um, that's a mission accomplished. Yeah, no, so I went out to LA and uh, uh, basically started up a business uh, helping people in foreclosure, 
uh, with my girlfriend at the time and then starting a band and then the band did really well. And then, uh, you know, I had, you know, 10 or 12 years of, uh, you know, living like a sea level rock star. So nice. What was the name of your band? Uh, junkies and thieves. That's a great name. So, uh, we were, uh, you know, we were, you know, we did good in Hollywood. We, you know, we had a couple of chances to open up for national people and, um, it was fun, you know, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was also like when I came back to New York, <laughs> I got a call from a band in uh, Europe who, who said, you know, we, we want to do, uh, you know, five countries in five months. Do you want to come out? You know, we'll pay you whatever for it. And uh, I was just like, no, man, like fucking. The minute you turn like, you know, 29, 30, 33, 34, you, you get fucking like, this is exhausting. Like, there's no way I could keep up with this lifestyle, oh, you know. And, I remember and plus, reading Get in the Van by Henry Rollins, and he talks about a lot of that stuff, and it sounds hard. Dude, it, it, it's it's hard, and we were successful at some point where, you, you know, we were getting, you know, paid for it, and we were getting, you know, um, uh you know, the, uh, people, you know, people to pay for shows and, you know, do everything that we needed to. And then when I, when the band broke up and I did some solo stuff, uh, I, I kind of marketed myself as, uh, you know, a fill in guitar player. And, you know, I got to play and jam with a bunch of these bands that I used to love growing up in the eighties, you know, like, uh, That's cool. you know, bullet boys and fucking Warren and stuff like that. So, um, nice. it, it, it was a fun time, but but I wasn't there in the cool 80s time, okay? <laughs> I was there in the early 2000s time when these bands were, you know, back to playing clubs and all that, you know? Yeah. But I'll tell you, the first time we played, you know, the whiskey, it was like, you know, you, you think about all the people that played there before you, um, and, and you're just like, holy fuck, like we're standing in the shadow uh, of these bands like uh, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, Janis Joplin, um, and we're on the same stage as these people. And just then you're like, fuck, I made it. I don't even need to make money at this. You know, I'm playing the fucking whiskey and I'm hanging out at the rainbow, you know. So um, so it was fun for a while. But then you come back here. And like I said, I, I you know, I got that offer to go to Europe as soon as I got here. And I had never really met my niece you know, I was always, uh, you know, working or touring and I didn't meet her really until she was, you know, seven or eight years old. And I was like, I got to go back to New York now that this band shit is over with and, and at least be a part of this kid's life, you know? So well, I came cool. back, you know, I came back here and, you know, whenever I went to her house, she would run down the stairs and fucking hug me and all that. And now fucking eight years later, she'll text me from upstairs and say, I heard you were here. What's up? Okay. <laughs> Not even come down. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, fuck this kid. You know, That's <laughs> funny. like I moved back to fucking watch plays. And then, then you, you know, back then you're sitting in this fucking like little grammar school in these tiny little chairs and you're watching your niece in this fucking play and you don't even know which one's your niece because they all look the same. Yeah. So, and it, and then you got to lie to the kid afterwards and be like, you were great. It was like watching Hamilton, you know, like. <laughs> no, I swear one of, my, one of my favorite things at the end of the school year or that, you know, the whole rest of the school year being shut off because of the pandemic. I was like, oh, good. No spring concert. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, do you have kids or no? I do. I have a nine-year-old that will be 10 in August and then a 12-year-old. Both and boys. I was going to say both boys. Yeah, good thing, man. Because if that 12-year-old was a girl, she's just about two years away from telling you how much she hates you all the time. So fucking <laughs> – so nicely done with the two boys. But fucking um, how are they adjusting to uh, the the, uh, uh, the Zoom learning? They're doing really, really well with it. Um, so uh, my 12-year-old is – he's really, really dedicated to school and a schedule and everything. And when, when he found out that you know school was canceled and mom was just going to be doing homeschooling stuff, like he wrote a school schedule with times and taped it on the wall in the living room so that everyone would know that this is the school schedule that needs to be followed. <laughs> He uh, he had saved up money from Christmas and bought a, a Chromebook so that he could do schoolwork and stuff on it. And oh, he's a little fucking nerd, huh? He's He does really good with it. He's got an awesome imagination, too, and um, loves playing Switch, loves playing Smash Brothers. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, he's a pretty well-adjusted kid, but um, he's the type of kid to where um, if there's a rule, he's going to follow it, and if you tell him, boy, I'm really disappointed in you, it could probably bring him to tears. Uh, now, now we get to the nine-year-old. He is completely opposite. <laughs> he is like super social butterfly in school, so he's missing all of his friends. Um, he is constantly wanting to be running around. Uh, he's excited about the idea of homeschooling, but he's not the best at like sitting and paying attention and stuff like right, that. So, right. so it's been a little bit of a, an, an adjustment for him in that, but, um, right, right before everything locked down, I had built them both loft beds for their bedrooms. And so it worked out that then they were super stoked about their bedrooms right when this started. And so that was just kind of fortuitous that it worked out that, you know, they get new beds, and then they got, like, a whole space under their bed that now they can hang out. So their room oh, effectively got, you know, 12 square feet bigger. So. Yeah, so much more room for activities. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they're pretty stoked about that. And then um, we just got them hammock chairs today to hang underneath them. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so they're pretty stoked about that. <laughs> but Shit, uh, they've, they've been doing good. Um, uh, keep um, – you know, they've been doing the homeschool stuff every day and, and keeping up with that on it. And it'll be interesting to see how things go for the next school year to see if, if that's something that, that my wife's going to pursue. Because Is your wife a teacher? She's not a teacher. She, um, but she has a job where she just works early mornings. And so she gets off work like around 830 or so. Oh, nice. So, okay. And then I have a regular, I have a regular first shift job. So I'm, I'm working Monday through Friday, you know, like 730 to 8. And so the, you know, thing I told her was, you know, the homeschool sounds awesome, but you know, there's really no way that I'm going to be able to help with it. So, you know, it's, a, it's a lot on your shoulders. Right. And, um, but just seeing how everything's been going so far, I mean, she could definitely handle it and, uh, the boys are doing really good with it and stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's the, the whole lockdown thing's just rough because I mean, could you imagine being a little kid? Just being like cooped up in your house or your yard. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I got friends that you know that they're saying yeah, it's really hard for the kids because now they, you know, it, it's like especially if it's raining out and they can't even go like to the backyard or they can't go on their bikes or some. Um, but I'm like, yeah, hey, I should have pulled out. You know, fucking, I have no sympathy <laughs> for you. All right, <laughs> fucking dumb shit. 
Yeah, we were just talking about on uh, our podcast this this week that um, I love the fact that these kids are having these lonely birthdays now because I hate children, right? And um, <laughs> I, I was driving down the street around the corner from my parents' house last week, and it was a bunch of big oak keg signs, and it was like Billy's birthday. Uh, honk, you know, to say happy birthday to Billy. Uh, and you saw fucking little, what I assume is Billy, <laughs> just outside next to the oak tag sides looking all sad. Oh, fucking, no. yeah, it was great. So I fucking drove by and I didn't beat that fucking horn. Fuck Billy. You know, like fucking, <laughs> I was just like, fuck this kid, man. <laughs> when, when I, <laughs> when I had that, when I had the house that had the uh, the orange trees in the back, uh, we it was at the edge of a cliff, and on the bottom of that cliff was like the block that was around the block from us, right? And these people had a uh, trampoline in the back, and whenever I would hear the kids fucking laughing and having fun, I would go out to the back and fucking just huck lemons and, and fucking oranges at the kids you know, while they're having fun on the trampoline. And um, they didn't do that for much longer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right? It's raining fruit again. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I think uh, we were talking about it with uh, Paul Hart, who who had to go to one of these things. And, like, it was this kid's birthday party who, you know, the, he, the kid was just parked in a parking lot. <laughs> with his parents and like Paul had to go and just fucking wing a gift out the window <laughs> from, from 20 feet away you know and I'm like that's oh my god fantastic. these fucking kids you know they gotta learn to live with disappointment okay <laughs> you, you know fucking it's just like look look the world ain't all fucking uh you know roses like Rocky said okay no and that's look. something that I tell my kids all the time I'm like like you can't really a, a large part of life is just learning how to coolly deal with people that you don't like. Right. <laughs> that's going to be a lot of that going on. <laughs> like just... Seriously. Like that's the best thing you could teach your kid. Like you are going to fucking, you know, like go home hating life all the time. And then, you, you know, what did Dennis Leary say? He's like, happiness, you know, is, um, you know, th there's no touchdown. There's no, I'm happy with life thing. You know, um, there's a, a chocolate chip cookie or a nap or, uh, you know, a good orgasm. But that's all that you get. <laughs> you, you know, that's that all. You, no you know, cure for cancer bit. That's from the no cure for cancer. Yeah. I grew up listening to that and I haven't heard it in fucking years. He's, he's like fucking. It's just <laughs> he's right, though. You, you know, like like so much of life is just like, oh, I got to deal with this shit again today. You know, like uh, I. I tell people all the time, I'm like, I don't even have friends, really. Um, I just have people that haven't fucked me yet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if that's how you live, then, then you know, you're good to go. You know, you, you, you know. If, if you're continually just waiting for somebody to disappoint you, then it doesn't hurt as bad when it happens. R right, exactly. You expect the like bullshit. You're, but now you're, now you're a character in like a fucking Disney movie or something like that, yeah. that needs to like meet somebody younger and hipper and, and, and soften your calloused heart. Yes. I, I, I will admit it's a horrible way to live your life. Okay. It's like, <laughs> well, they say I, putting a human being in solitary confinement is about the cruelest thing you can do to him. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Fucking because <laughs> I've been I've been in this pandemic with no problem at all. Like, like fucking I'm like I fucking work from home and I fucking hate people. It none my day to day has not changed since fucking 2017. You know, so I'm good, all right? I fucking order breakfast every day. I order Uber Eats, you know, every night. And, um, you know, it just ends up working itself out. But I am a lonely, miserable guy. And I look in the mirror and I see I see a fucking, you know, I see a fucking sad, fat man crying. So, <laughs> you, you know, you got you to gotta get on it a little bit. Okay? I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. It, it's all good. Fucking... The, the last time I, I was cool was 2007. I could admit that. Uh, however, I did – and this oh, man, this is going to make me fucking sound like a scumbag. Uh, <laughs> I, I did date a, a 19-year-old three or four years ago when I was like 42, right? Because, I mean, it, you know, conversations? Here's, here's the deal, Joe. If I have a chance to go to China – like, I'm going to go to China. Maybe not if you ask me that today, you know, but fucking, but back then, if I had a chance to go to China, I was going to go to China. And all of my guy friends would high five me, but all of my women <laughs> friends were just totally disgusted with me, right? <laughs> and, um, that sounds about right. And the guys thought it was the best thing in the world. But but I got to tell you, it was probably the worst thing that I ever did in my life. Like fucking, <laughs> I never listened to so much low rider in my fucking truck. <laughs> I would go to sleep after fucking sex worrying about, is she going to steal one of the iPads or is she going <laughs> to, is she going to fucking take money out of my wallet? But the kicker was before you go for, seriously, got to do a checklist. Um, <laughs> she would, the, the 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 thing that ended it all after a couple of months was she was reading something out out loud, and she had pronounced arithmetic, arithmetic. <laughs> and I, I was like, what 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 did you what did you and say that, there? That you was know? your come to Jesus moment. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, arithmetic. I don't know. I'm like, you you got to get out of here right now. <laughs> She's like, why? I'm like, you got, you got to just go. I'll call you a lift. And um, <laughs> never, never saw her again after that. So it's, uh, you know, I want, I wanted the opportunity, you know, because when <laughs> I was 19, I was a fat fuck. Fucking no 19 year old chicks were fucking throwing <laughs> themselves at me, you know. And then I fucking hit 42, and this smoking hot fucking 19 year old chick is like fucking. Sniffing around the goods, I'm like, hey, we're good to go. Hey, I've got daddy issues. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I don't care about that. That's that's fine with me. I mean, let me work them out on you, and you're like, welcome. <laughs> you did good, honey. Right? Oh my <laughs> gosh, breaking up so. with her for that reason though reminds me of. So I married an axe murderer. <laughs> he's yeah. got all the insane reasons that he's breaking up with the girls. She smelled it like soup. She ate her peas one at a time, you know, like fucking like Seinfeld. Like, like, you couldn't do it, man. It's it's like you can't even make this shit up. But it's um, but but getting back to being in quarantine, it's like fucking. I, I am not, you know, really feeling the uh, the 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 problems with it. And, and the thing is, with all these people on Facebook who are like, 
Uh, oh, I'm so bored. If I don't do something soon, I'm just going to kill my – go kill yourself, all right? You oh, dumb fuck. are driving me nuts. Like, this is – isn't even a real fucking apocalypse. Like, this is the Diet Coke of apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. No, this, is, this is pretty soft. <laughs> yeah, you just get to stay home and do what you want and fucking get paid for not working. Oh, yeah, that must suck that you fucking could hang out and watch Netflix all day. You dumb fuck. Um, these are the people that you know you can't depend on when the zombies come. You know, you're, yeah, you're like, true. fuck, I'm not going to Karen's house fucking if, <laughs> if the zombies come. Because you know you'll end up dead. So fuck these people. You got the people that are intentionally not wearing masks because they're trying to make some oh. sort of statement. Yeah. And it's yeah. Like, do, you, do you understand that the masks are to try and make this shorter? So all yep. the things that you're protesting about that, you know, you either you want to go get a fucking haircut or you want to go to fucking Applebee's or some dumb shit like that. It's like if everybody would just get with the program and stop being such stubborn fucking Americans, maybe the, this would have not lasted as long as it has. We had a we had a first nice day about three weeks ago, and I live in the suburbs, like fucking white as fuck, and fucking you, you know there are fucking all these women and kids congregating on every corner, no masks on, fucking just talking, and I'm driving by to the, you know because I got to go to CVS to pick up a prescription, and um, I'm like, this is the reason that this is going to go into 2021 because of fucking dummies like this. Like we also, we had a bunch of fucking uh, uh, black and Puerto Rican kids at the parks, fucking congregating and playing basketball. Uh, They had to actually take the hoops down at the parks so that, yeah, it it was so fucking bad, you know? So it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's just why this place is such a shithole. And, And Duncan actually, loves new york like he accepts the city you know for what he says warts and all and i'm just like this is really like just the armpit of the country (laughs) you know it's just it's just the worst place to live you couldn't pay me enough to live there i I remember the first time i had rebecca on the podcast and i was like do you see the stars at night and she's like there's like two i'm like oh fuck that (laughs) no and then all the people on top of each other and yeah Wow. Well, Re- Rebecca is a real city girl, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, I remember she was talking about, you know, she didn't own a car. She just takes a subway everywhere she goes. And it's like, wow, that is, it is, it, it, in one way, it's, it's, um, it's fascinating to me because it's so different from the way that I live. Right, and, right. And, you know, kind of like what my daily routine is that, that I love hearing about it. And I think that they're really fun places to visit. Um, I remember the the first few times I went to Chicago, I fucking hated it. But then the last few times I've went, I've had a blast. And so really it turns right. out just, okay, who are you hanging out with? Well, um, well yeah, and, and you got to learn about the place you're going and, and just figure, you know, what are the absolute best things about being here? You, you know, like uh, during last year's uh, Comic-Con, Brooke Darty came up Um and her and Rebecca were hanging out, and Rebecca kind of put together this little get-together thing. So we uh, we went to Manhattan, and um, we went, you know, this little restaurant at first, and then we walked to another bar. And I was like, how far is this bar? And she's just like, oh, like 13 blocks that way. <laughs> By, like, block three, I'm like, huh, huh, hold on, guys. I just got to make a phone call. I'll catch up. I'll catch up, you know. <laughs> I'm like, the address of the place you're going again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm on the phone. I'm like fucking 
seeing if I could get away with calling an Uber real quick and I'm like, I'll meet you there, you know? <laughs> but, um, but that was like one of the few nights that I had fun in the city, but fucking even growing up here, I was just like, you know, there's, there's too many people in the fucking city. And when I moved to California, um, I was there for 12 years before I moved back. And when I moved back, uh, I was like, this place still just sucks. It's just like the worst place ever, you know? The, the only, you know, benefit was uh, they opened up a casino like five minutes away from me. So that, That's like, one of yeah. the things I've never been able to do. What, gamble? Yep. I, I've never, outside of buying a lottery ticket, I've never, like, gambled. Oh, fuck that. I, could, I, I remember when my addiction started. I was in fucking... <laughs> I was in Laughlin, Nevada in 2005, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Where me and my girlfriend went there for bike week, and uh, uh, Laughlin is like a, a tiny Vegas, right? And um, I went there with, I don't know, 300 bucks in my pocket. Uh, I took it down to like 95, and then on my way back to the room at like 4 in the morning, I put my last 10 bucks in a $10 machine, and I hit for fifteen thousand dollars, right? Holy shit! Yeah, and I thought that was good, but I had spent that money just on the way home. Okay, I bought like new Macs and new guitars and shit, right? <laughs> so, but in two thousand seven, I think it was, I hit for two hundred fifty grand. Holy and crap, dude! That's when it it really started. And I didn't hit for two hundred fifty grand at once. I I would hit for like forty grand, and then thirty grand, and then eighty grand, and um. That's when it was like, oh, whenever I just need money, I'll go to the casino. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I moved back, the old racetrack that they have here was turned into a casino. So th- that's been, a, you know, a little bit of an ongoing problem. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I first learned how to play poker when I was a little kid and me and friends around the neighborhood all went over to my one buddy's house and we all, you know, pulled up all our change and everything to to play poker and i remember i had a bunch of change and i had one paper dollar and and i lost that paper dollar and and i was like fuck gambling (laughs) i i would convince my coworkers to come with me and they're like well i'll bring fifty dollars i'm like fifty dollars like why why even go if you're just bringing fifty dollars, <laughs> and for me, I'd be like, I'm going to take fifty dollars, and if I come home without that fifty dollars, I'm going to be fucking despondent. <laughs> I'm going to fucking think like, like I had to fucking work for that fifty dollars, and and I just lost it in like five minutes. <laughs> this isn't fun at all. <laughs> I don't even go unless I could pull out five to eight hundred bucks, right? And <laughs> There's been times where I've spent that 800 bucks in under an hour and then you have to take that ride of shame home and you're like, you're like, man, I can't eat meat this week now. You know, like (laughs) it's fucking pretty bad. But there's times where, you you know, you make eight, ten thousand dollars extra every month, you, you know, so it's like, you know, of course you lose them, you know, you lose that much on the months that you don't make it. But, you know, it's it's fun and fucking you know, if I can't afford to go, I just don't go, you know, <laughs> but, but right now, I mean, they're not even open and I believe me, I've been getting the, the urge to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I bet if it's part of your regular routine. Yeah, I was, uh, 
was there sometimes at like 1030 in the morning (laughs) (laughs) with all the old people, you know, like telling me stories about Vietnam and shit like that. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Fucking we're both just losing money here today, you know, so. um, But, you know, it's like fucking you do what you got to do in order to live, man. All right. You can't be fucking 19-year-olds all the time. You got to fucking go to the casino in between. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so so when you brought up your, your Snakes and the Fat Man podcast, that totally tangented or like took us away from uh, bringing up the rest of the shows you do. So what are the other podcasts you do? Oh, I do. Uh, the, my one black friend and my one white friend. I love which that show. is uh, Ian Duncan. It's 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 really so much fun, man. Um, Dude, and, your, and your it's, warning that you have at the beginning is is fucking uh, hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't remember it verbatim, but something along the lines of like, if this is offensive to you, take the stick out of your ass and proceed to throat fuck yourself with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah. If you made it past that, you're gonna be able to do anything else that you guys do. Well, well, it's <laughs> funny too because fucking. Uh, do you know uh, Yaden? Oh yeah, yeah. Yaden's okay, fantastic. Yaden is fucking awesome, man. I love that guy. Right? Yaden actually did a rating system too, which Paul brought up. It's so funny because it's so racist that you didn't even get an Asian guy to do the Asian voice. You got. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that, and it just was like playing the music. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, Paul's Paul's like you, you got a white fucking cop to do the Asian voice, you, you know. <laughs> so, um, uh, where, where the hell was I going with this? Oh, oh yeah. Um, so in in that whole warning thing, it says uh, if you're it, the the script I gave Yaden was if you're an entitled white woman, uh, go fuck yourself too, right? But uh-huh. Yaden just took it upon himself to throw in. If you're an entitled white bitch, <laughs> go go fuck yourself. And I was like, that says a little bit more about Yaden than it does about us, <laughs> you know. So so you know, in my head, every time I um I, I just think, okay, that that's that doesn't make us look bad as bad as it lo- makes Yaden look, you know. Uh, well, but but that's with some entitled white bitches in his time. That, yeah, fucking that's that's true. But fucking Yaden is one of the you know. I mean, one of the nicest guys that I've met here, and uh, his podcast is called uh, Talks on Docs, uh, and it's all about also. documentary. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Um, I know you're one all... of those people I need to get back on the show again. I, I had him on, I think, for episode four, way back oh. in the early days, and, and I haven't had him on since, and it's like, it's one of those guests where I constantly kick myself. <laughs> I'm like, why the fuck have you had Yaden on? He's again? such a great fucking guy, He's because you can't. Guy. You, there's no way you could call this motherfucker racist because he adopted like 30 kids from fucking Indonesia. All right. It's like fucking, this guy is really like such a better human being than I am, you know, like fucking, um, so I I fucking love him. Very big hearts. Seriously. Fucking they're, they're insane. And he's knocking out everything because he's still working, you know, right now. And, um, He's, you know, he's just one of the the nicest guys, you know, in the business. I, I'm I'm so happy that um, I've met so many people in this leftover army thing. I, I think that's the biggest contribution that PCL has really made to this is the community, not really the podcast, because the podcast, you know, is four fucking hours long, 
and it's it's great every fucking week. But fucking the amount of people that I met through the podcast that is that are so fucking cool. Uh, I'm really just you know so happy that I got to meet like you and Yaden and uh, David Isaacs and all that you know everybody else. So um, no, it's very it's true, man. That community is fantastic. I remember because um, I've been listening to PCL for for years, and I remember when they first started talking about the Leftover Army group, and I think it was probably on the PCL Facebook page they shared a video that the army had put together. And it was kind of like saying what the what the leftover army page was and what the rules were for it, saying that, you know, there's no political talk. And, you know, or maybe back then they were saying the only rule was don't be a dick. Right. <laughs> I remember when I joined, I think there was only 30 or 40 people like oh, on, yeah. on the page at the time. And, and I remember like it was just such a cool place because it was like most of Facebook is a fucking shit show. Yeah. And it's fucking terrible. And. But the leftover army page was not like that. It was so fucking chill. Everybody was so nice. They were so supportive of other people's creative endeavors. Like it, it made me blossom as like, uh, like I've always been super creative, but I've also always had like terrible self-esteem, which, you know, I mean, you grow up as, you know, you go through your formative years being overweight and dealing with that shit. You know, it's. For me, like a lot of that comes back to that is that a lot of Of my self-esteem issues come are, are wrapped up in self image and stuff like that. But then it also, I realized that it, it, it hampered me creatively as well. Like I felt like, okay, well if I wasn't good enough, then obviously anything I create won't be good enough. Right. Right. But the leftover army gave me that support that I need, like to where, like I had written, um, uh, this book that then I shopped around trying to get a literary agent and, and couldn't find one. And so I just let the book just sit on my hard drive for years and then, but I got in the leftover army and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, these, these people are great. And, and, and everybody's so supportive and you know what? I, I'm going to take the plunge and I'm going to do this. And so I, I published it just as digital and, and got a lot of support for it. And then like around a year later, I figured out that I could do it in print. And so then I, you know, that's how I have the, the print copy of it available as well on Amazon. And, and then, uh, the then I started having the idea that boy I'd really like to do a podcast when you know I'd I'd heard you know like Kevin Smith and Joe Rogan say so many times you know oh, go do a podcast and it's like well that's different you guys got like you know like yeah, a staff followers. behind you yeah. that does all this and shit like that and then I'm listening to PCL I'm like these are just guys from Illinois that they right. have a fucking <laughs> great sounding show. They, I, it, it sounds like you're just hanging out with friends listening to them you know and yeah. and and like also like you know back then when I first started listening to the show, Brian had a lot more um, parts of the show where he'd like read emails and then interact with people that way. And so it was just kind of like, you know, a, a level of interaction that you didn't hear from like Kevin Smith shows or Rogan shows and stuff. And I was like, well, this is really great. They can really be engaged with their audience and do this stuff. And then with the support that, that I felt with the leftover army, it made me brave enough to actually, get out there and and I bought the equipment and put a show out with the idea of, you know, it's going to be this long form conversation show. And there's all these awesome people in the leftover army that I can talk to and, you know, bring in people that I know, you know, local to Iowa and stuff occasionally as well. But, um, the amount of people that I've met on the leftover army that are so awesome is it's just astounding to me. And now like the page has like well over 500 people on it. Right. Right. And, and 
honestly, it's still awesome, but it, it doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same close knit feeling that it did way back in the day. It's still one of the best places on the internet, but it's it's it, I mean, obviously it was way more intimate when there was less than fifty people. Yeah, <laughs> there, of, of you know. course. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, it's still a great place and and I it seems like it's still spawning lots of stuff. There's more people in there that you know, there'll be people that you know, I'm not that familiar with their name, but then they're posting a link to a podcast that they just did. And it's like, okay, good. This is right. It's still going on, you know, and, and right. it's fucking fantastic. And I remember the first time that it was your council, of comic show. Oh yeah. That was so right? stupid. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'd like Rebecca had posted something where it was like a picture of all you guys together in a room. Right. And I was like, oh, Rebecca went and did a podcast with people in New York. That's fucking cool. I'm like, I got to listen to this. And, dude, I hear you start talking, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? He's not afraid to say anything. And so, dude, I was hooked on listening to your shows ever since that first time. <laughs> that That's awesome, man. It's like it, I, I pretty much realized that people can relate to, like, the grumpy old guy, you, you know, and – that that's basically how I play it on the other podcast too. Like the, the the reason that I started the Snakes and a Fat Man podcast was there there was this other snake breeder um, out of Louisiana who was interviewing people, but he would never let them talk. He he would you know he would over talk them, and he would the show would just become about him, even though he's interviewing. You know, some millionaire, you know, that's doing this uh, that everybody wants to hear from. And I just thought to myself, like, the only way I'm going to hear what these people have to say is if I do my own podcast and have them back on, you know, and that's the reason why I started, you know, the other podcast. And I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I just bought a bunch of equipment and I, I just thought that if you're going to go into this space this space is so crowded right now that if you can't hang with the big boys, then don't even do it, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I spent probably about three or four grand on podcasting equipment before I even did my first podcast. Wow. Now, <laughs> That's a the, commitment. The, the, well, the nice thing is that the snake podcast uh, pays me, you, you know, I mean, I'm you, you're not going to get rich off it, but I have sponsors on the other on the snakes podcast that, uh, you, you know, gets me, you know, anywhere between five and $8,000 for the year for podcasting. And then I use that to pay for the other podcast. Well, that's awesome. So, um, and one of the other things we're doing is we're just switching over, uh, to a YouTube channel and I'm going to have this, uh, do this podcast with a friend of mine where we review food at restaurants, but, we we review it at the restaurant and how it is at the restaurant. But then the next day we order takeout from that same restaurant, the same meals that we ate uh, the day previous. And we compare the difference between shitty takeout and actually being at the restaurant. Okay. So that's a cool uh, concept. It, it's kind of like interesting. And she's a real New Yorker too, you know? So like, and we go at it. Like, like we fight like fucking cats and dogs and it's um, every two or three months we have to take a break from each other for two or three months because we say things that are so mean and so New York. <laughs> you know. 
Wow. That, that we just piss each other off so bad, right? So I'm doing a podcast with her, and we just, or I just spent uh, probably three three grand on camera equipment for the YouTube channel, you know? What? So, oh my God. yeah, it's like fucking, like, like I said, if you're going to do it, you, you can't just throw up a cell phone video anymore. You have to have like some kind of real production value and shooting 4K or at the very minimum, you, you know, uh, you, you, you know, uh, uh, high def or, you know, whatever. And, you, you know, you can't just, you know, you, you can't color correct and do all this other shit on just like a video on the iPhone, you know, and and I just don't want to do it that way, you, you know. So if I'm going to do it and if I'm going to be in the space, I would rather have the, the equipment to do it the right way, even if I don't know how to use it, which is what I'm finding out with a lot of the camera stuff. So, <laughs> No, that's kind of how I feel like with my equipment. It's like because mm -hmm. when, when I first started off, I just bought a laptop that I knew that it was, you know, I wasn't going to fuck around, do anything stupid on this. It was just going to be for, for doing the podcast and then doing my writing. Right. This is, this is not a porn machine. I do not want viruses <laughs> on this. You know? And I'm proud of myself. I've never once looked up porn on my laptop. <laughs> but um, uh, Okay, Joe. I'm right. serious. That's, that's what phones are for. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. I got a complete separate laptop, you know. <laughs> one that glows right. in the dark i i, I understand yeah okay. you, you, you could see it from space okay so that's hilarious um but yeah I, I just got that and then i bought a um it was called like a it was called a i think it was called a usb but basically it's a thing that you can take um xl xlr connection microphones and right. plug it into that and then that will connect to a computer via usb yeah, a uh, digital audio workstation. Yeah, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad when it comes to technology, dude. Um, so so I got that and then two, you know, like studio quality mics. And then then that was it. I was off to the races. And right. I was just recording with Audacity when it first started. Dude, when I first started, I would record my side and I would have the guest I was recording record their side also in Audacity and then send me the file and then I would link them together. Oh, you put it together? Yeah. Uh, and dude, <laughs> fuck that shit. Like right. anybody that's listening, if you're doing that with your podcast, if you enjoy doing it and you're passionate about doing it that way and you really want to be committed to having awesome audio quality and not having, you know, like the Skype robotics and shit, good for you. But right. I found given enough time, those fucking recordings do not line up. No way. There's, there's some sort of fucking wormhole that Skype utilizes. Because it's like, how is it that we both talked on the same conversation, but he's giving me a recording that, you know, they line up perfectly at the start, but then two hours into the podcast, it's like, I'm laughing before they've said the joke. Right, right. And so yep. then that shit just turned into a fucking nightmare. And then finally I was like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to use like MP3 Skype recorder. Which worked fine for a while, but then I ended up losing a recording, and then that was fucking terrible. And and I remember I went to C2E2 not long after that. And and Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers, who's also my co-host on Number One Comic Books, right? Uh, he had brought he's he's had a an extra recorder, and so he brought that along so that I could record panels that he wasn't going to be in. And so I got to play around with this digital recorder all day. 
and basically convinced myself by the time I was driving home that I needed one of these. <laughs> and so then I start looking it up. I'm like, well, fuck, I can't just buy a recorder because then I have to run everything through a mixer. And so right. it's like, okay, I'm going to buy a recorder. Then I also have to buy a mixer. Okay, now I got the mixer. Oh, oh shit, now I need the USB interface for a mixer. <laughs> and so, yep. yeah, now I've got a mixer, the interface for that, digital recorder. And then I didn't like how my... Uh, monitoring was going on, so then I had to buy a headphone amplifier as well. <laughs> it, it's, so like, it's never like ending, what, dude. It spirals. It's like you can just keep spending money on gear. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, w- what are you using right now? Like, what's the recorder that you're using? Uh, I'm using a Tascam DR41 or oh. DR40 right now. Okay, so that that's similar to the like the Zoom H6 or the, exactly. the H4. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, like, was, studio quality. But yeah, yeah, they're fucking great because they got great mic preamps in there. Yes. And uh, I actually – I use the Zoom H4 for mobile stuff. Uh, and, you know, I got a bunch of uh, Shure SM58s that I use, uh, you know, that, that you could just pack up real quick and bring to, you know, bring to a show mm-hmm. and do the mics? show right from there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but then I got uh, the Rodecaster Pro, yeah, which is like incredible. fantastic, dude. Did Dude, you get that it, figured out? Yeah, I got it all figured out and fucking dialed in now. And I got a Shure SM7B vocal mic. Uh, so really just, you know, hopefully at least, you know, when people listen to it, they could say, all right, they, they spent some money here, you know, and uh, it, it sounds, you know, crystal clear and, you know, they're knocking everything out because it, it's this shit is expensive to fucking do and doesn't really pay that much you know, the first year or so, like you better be talking about shit that you love because nobody's going to be listening for the first year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, my biggest problem with Starcast is that I, ju- I'm just not consistent with it. I like, if I, if I, I, I feel like it would do a much better, obviously, like if I regularly released an episode every week, say like every Wednesday, people knew there was a new Starcast. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's like even when when I tried to make myself do that, I, I burned out within, I think, less than 10 episodes. Oh, it, it's and, easy to burn out. Oh, God. And then I took like a three-month break from StartCast yeah. or something where just the <laughs> thought of doing a StartCast like gave me anxiety. Right. Dude, sometimes that, the thought of doing the show gives me a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I hear you. Like it's just I, well, a fucking trigger for it. But, you know, then I, like it, it's awesome when I have guests like you on. Because you come on and you fucking talk and talk and talk. And it's like, yes, when it's just two people, that's how it needs to go. (laughs) Right. Well, well, not even that, because when it's just two people, like if Duncan cuts me off all the time uh, and I used to cut him off all all the time, he, you know, he fucking called me out on it. And he was like, I hate when you do that, you know, but then now what we're running into is I'm trying to end the show because I, I like to keep it under an hour. And, um, you know, I'll be like, well, okay, uh, Chris Eaton is my one black friend. And he'll be, he'll be like, there's just two other things that I want to talk about. And I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> so, but there is a different dynamic in having him on the phone versus having him here. Because when he was here before the pandemic, like you get into this groove where you know what the other person is doing. But when you're on a phone, you know, it takes a little while, you know, uh, longer to get used to it. Oh, absolutely. That's that's why I feel like anytime you get more than four people on a podcast and it's all over Skype, it's probably going to be a clusterfuck of people talking over each other because 
hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you had those four people seated around a table where you can all look at each other, you're getting visual cues on who's going to talk next. Oh, it's just, just so much easier. Yeah. But like, like it, it's, it doesn't happen near as much anymore, but I remember when we first started doing number one comic books, there would always, almost every episode would have just a break where it was like somebody would say something. And then the other three people were like seemingly all being polite. <laughs> you know, it's like somebody, <laughs> clearly someone was gonna and then it's like now you know because a second and a half of dead air at the time it feels like an hour and a half of dead air. oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's like this is the longest it's ever been quiet <laughs> and, and you know it as soon as it happens too <laughs> you know and then recording with Brian, he's not going to let that go. <laughs> oh yeah, Brian calls people out on it all the time. Balls. Oh god, that guy cracks me up. We uh we had him on uh when <laughs> that was a great episode. That well, was... our, our listeners will know this story, but fucking Paul was on during Thanksgiving, and um Paul was like reached out to all of us, and uh, he was like, I really think that we should do something to show thanks for PCL. Yes, I remember you know that. so. You could do a video, fucking, and, and I did the video, and me and Duncan did it, and um, you know Brian made a comment like, "Oh, that's just an advertisement for their podcast," you know, <laughs> which, which is like in, this from the new podcast, my one, my friend, my one background. <laughs> oh, oh I, I said we use uh, PCL as a, a blueprint. All I did was add a black guy, you know, and uh, <laughs> and. And, uh, you know, Brian was, you know, Brian was, I think, a little drunk and who, you know, he was like, that's just a commercial for their podcast. So <laughs> fucking Duncan immediately after he hears that, he's like, I told you we shouldn't have did that shit. <laughs> fuck Paul. All right. <laughs> like, fuck Brian and fuck Paul. <laughs> oh, my God. I fucking loved it. It was so fucking funny. But um, Brian actually you know, texted me and he was like, I'm so sorry that I reacted like that. And I was like, I didn't give a fuck. I thought that was Brian being Brian. Exactly. You know? That's why when, when, when people are shitty about PCL, cause I remember when I first started reaching out to Brian, it was after he'd like read an email on the show where someone was just ragging on him for being himself. Right. Right. And like, I'd like message him. I'd be like, dude, I'm so sorry. You have to put up with this shit because number one, like from the first time I listened to PCL, I was like, these guys are fucking awesome. Brian's hilarious. Jake is hilarious. Jay was fucking awesome and had just one of the best laughs to listen to. And then when people go out of their way, this is something I don't understand when it comes to people processing creative pursuits at all. But if you don't like something and you're going to take the time to write a fucking email, yeah. about, well, I don't like this because of reasons. It's like, well, if you didn't like it, why don't you just fuck off? Yeah. Why why yeah. do you got to take the fucking time to write a note and say that something that somebody's doing that obviously they put a lot of fucking work and effort into, you know, there's a weekly fucking schedule. It's a long ass show. He takes, he takes fucking great notes, gives you lots of info, funny fucking bumpers, great group dynamic with what's going on there. And you just want to be a fucking dick about it. And so I remember sending him messages being like, dude, I'm so sorry. You have to fucking deal with that sort of shit. And, um, I I was they, they had uh, done something about uh, when his guy didn't watch something and Brian was giving him a hard time. Um, oh yeah, with Ray, and it was funny. <laughs> and but then you know people were writing to him saying, "Oh, you you were so hard on so and so." I'm like, "What the fuck? Fuck, f fuck these people!" Yeah, you know, um, PCL is really 
like like that show is actually a clinic on how to do your podcast right and, and everything from uh, you know the bumpers to the intro song the, the only reason we did a professional intro song was because PCL had a professional intro song nice you know, so it's it's like you know the only reason we do the you know the bumpers that sound good and funny is because PCL did it. You know, so Dude, it's his like iTunes bumper that sounds like the Offspring is one of the oh best my bumpers God. that's out in podcasts. Like I don't, yeah, I, I'd put it up about against about anything. Like the, the, the fucking bumpers a. that Brian yeah. puts together, are fucking hilarious. Well, the uh, the bacon pancakes one is like I I almost crashed my car when I fucking heard that. <laughs> I, I was like, this is fucking brilliant, you know? And uh, when they put it to the uh, New York song by Beyonce, I was Alicia just Keys, like, right? oh, it, it was it? I don't know. I uh, this is how much I know about black music, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I, I thought it was Beyonce that did the New York song. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know as much as you <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it'd be funny that the fucking rural Iowa guy knows more than the New York fucking... <laughs> I can tell you who plays in the local jug band. <laughs> Yo, I saw a jug band do uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC, and it was probably one of the best things that I've ever seen in my saying, life. I bet that was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking great. But, the thought of that uh, sounds amazing. So do you go to C2E2 every year or no? I've gone for the last three years in a row. But I only go for one day because, um, you know, it, it's harder to swing being, um, you know, with with family obligations and stuff like that. And also, right. like, it's like, fuck, I, I really can't justify spending that much money on a weekend for something that's just like, you know, a pursuit that's just for me. Right, right. Yeah, I and get so, that. It, but, you know, going for one night seems more reasonable. That's I can pay for one hotel you know, night in Chicago. And in the last two years, my wife's gone with me as well. And she's had a lot of fun and she was not wanting to go at all the first year because she feels like about cities and stuff the same way I do. She's not a fan of people right? <laughs> at all in like being in cities and stuff. And, and, uh, and I was like, no, you don't understand. I was like, these leftover army people are fucking cool. I was like, these are, you know, these are, you're going to have a good time. And, and she did. And the next year it was, I didn't have to twist her arm to go this year. Uh, it was so much fun. And then got to meet Paul Hart in person for the first time this year. Got to meet Dan Ramirez from Heroes of Noise and Nana Pratt from Blurds Are Us. Um, C2E2 is always a fucking blast, dude. Yeah, and it was one of the last things that kind of got squeezed under the the, uh, the, the pandemic uh, closings. True. That you was, know, so. If it had been happening a month later, it would have been canceled. Oh, it would have been. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about not even opening up uh, Broadway shows until 2021 now. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and, and that's a fuck of a lot smaller than C2E2 is, you know. Well, we considered not going because we were like, God damn, this it's like there's going to be a lot of people from all over the fucking country here. Right. And, you know, this was still, you know, early enough that, you know, C2E2 was the end of uh, February. And so... You know, I mean, so obviously we didn't know as much as we do now, but I remember my wife bringing that up to me. Being, Are you sure? Are we sure we want to go do this? And, but I mean, we, this year we didn't spend that much time at the con and every, every, the last three years that I've gone, I've gone on the Saturdays, which right. is the fucking worst day to go. Yeah. To go to the con. <laughs> and so like we literally spent maybe two or three hours in the con 
this year. And then we were like, fuck this. This is, this is just fucking terrible. And the, the hangout in the bar afterwards is, is basically the whole reason that I go is right. to just hang out with the leftover Aryan people. And that's a huge fucking statement coming from me because I am not like, number one, I'm not a drinker and I'm definitely not a bar person. And the only times I've ever had fun in a bar is when I've hung out with the leftover army. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go next year. Now, do you drive down or do you fly? I drive. It's only a four-hour drive for me. Oh, that yeah, that's not too bad. We we have events in, in Chicago uh, in Tinley Park, but that's like a 14-hour drive for me, so I just fly. And then um, Daytona is, you know, that show I was talking about before, is like C2E2 where – you know, you you just go there not for the show, but for the hangout with all your you know your friends. Exactly. Yeah. So that uh, so I probably wouldn't really spend much time at the con too, you know, con either. Or you know, I would make sure I would get any exclusives that I want, but I'd probably just fucking pay a guy to pick up the exclusives for me, so so I don't have to fucking charge around the con fucking trying to buy shit, you know? Yeah. See, and I'd love to go. Like next year, I'm planning on going on Friday instead. Because right. there's not going to be as many people. Still get to do the hang. Go home on Saturday morning, and then still have Sunday before I got to go back to work. So that's pretty fucking rad. Yeah, um, that that's but, fucking cool. But the biggest thing that I want to do is I just want to go with my recorder and just walk up to different artists who's you know have done books that I love and just you know hey do you have five minutes to chat and just do oh, like yeah. quick little interviews like that. Well, that's the thing that we were thinking about doing was actually getting tables at these cons. And um, that's how I run it with the the snake one and um, have people people actually just come to me on the snake thing and I, I'll get 30, 40 interviews done in a weekend. Oh, that's and cool. um, so what you know, what I would do is I would, you know, go early, you know, and just hand out business cards and say, listen, we're going to be right over there. If you want to come talk about, you know, your shit, you know, you know, come by and you know talk about it. And. We're going to try it out with a bunch of little cons that go on here, you know, in New York, because we, we get like 20 a year here and um, we're going to see how it works. And then we might do some of the bigger shows. The problem is that fucking on paper, my one black friend and my one white friend sounds racist right off the, <laughs> right off the bat. But if they just listen, like someone on like the review committee is like, well, let's give them a listen. They pull you up on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> well well paul hart wrote the the best review that i've ever fucking heard and you know he was like this is the podcast that we may not have wanted but we definitely need <laughs> you know <laughs> i love the way that you and doug can talk to each other dude it is so fucking funny oh, it's, it, it's, it's very refreshing too you know because well the way i think about it is if we can make one guy laugh pee his pants a little bit or get cramps in his fucking side then fucking we've done our job. Yeah, you know. And uh, the amount of times that you say something, you know, quote unquote horrible, and then Doug is just like, I fucking hate you. Why do I come here every week? I laugh so fucking hard. And then recording that that Star Wars variant with you guys talking Rogue One, like you guys were so much fun to talk to and and uh Oh man. Um I I just love the I love the vibe that you guys got going on your show. It, it's not like any of the other shows that I listen to. <laughs> oh, well, we can't review a goddamn shit because we fucking go off on tangents. And uh, we, we try to keep it professional, but it usually just evolves into racist comments about each other <laughs> and our, our, our parents, you know? So, 
why not? You know, if it, like I said, if it makes people laugh, then I'm all down for it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, it looks like you're starting to release the more of the Star Wars variant episodes. Yeah, I had fucking oh, <laughs> really. What we should have did was we should have just dumped them all on the um, May fourth. Oh, you know? that would have made sense. Yeah. Uh, but now you know I'm I'm just releasing one a week again uh, just to to get them over with because we want to do more variants. But you, you know, fucking people that we we asked to do them. Are going to be like, hey, well, dickhead, how about you release the fucking one that I did already? And then maybe I'll consider doing some more with your dumb asses. You know? <laughs> how many more so, do you have in the can? So you just released a new hope, right? Right. So we got uh, four more in the can now. So. Okay, uh, we so you got, guys haven't recorded Rise of Skywalker yet? I I, I don't know. I, I think we might have. I, I, I got to go back and look. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I'm like, there should be five saga films left. And then were you guys doing solo? What well, we did solo. Okay, I couldn't remember um, if we did that one or not. And then we, you know, uh, Amanda was on with us with that one. And then um, th- that one actually sucked because solo was such a shit movie that it's like fucking, <laughs> it, you can't even make a podcast talking about the movie good, you know? So now we're going to release Empire, which uh, I-, I want, David was definitely on it. And I think Paul was on it too. Awesome. So that was a fun one. Then we did Jedi and then we, yeah, all, all the new ones too. It, it's such a pain in the ass because it, it sucks because, you know, you got to like fucking, your budget for fucking hosting this shit now is double than what it was, you know, the prior month because you're releasing four, two hour or three hour variants a month on top of everything else. So it's like, you know, and and we're definitely... Nine movies were, was a little ambitious, okay? <laughs> we're, we're definitely not going to do that anymore. And if we do like trilogies, we're going to do the entire trilogy in one episode. That's not a bad idea. I mean, that would definitely speed things along. I remember when you guys were in the midst of recording all those and stocking them up and then also doing your regular episodes, it sounded like you were starting to get a little burnt. <laughs> oh, I hated Duncan for those <laughs> fucking two months. Because cause we had like a a schedule list on Excel. And if you know us fucking like, you know how you talk about how Brian is like super prepared on everything. We don't even take a note. OK, <laughs> that's why we fuck up the, the you know, the um, the vibe of the show all the time. And we'll review like four different shows before we even play our rating system. <laughs> uh, like we don't take a note at all. But for the variance, since it was so complicated, you know, we had Excel spreadsheets going on. <laughs> And we, we had guests and backup guests, you know, for when people pulled out. So it was um, it, it was definitely rough. And we're talking about now, you know, doing some of the the, uh, the Star Wars uh, books as variants. Some of the DC stuff is variants and how much that sucks. Um, but we want to pull on people that, you, you know, the one thing that, you know, it did well for us was that we really weeded out who was really funny, who was dependable, who was not, you know, on the variant episodes that we did. Yeah. So it's like like certain people fucking stood out, like fucking you, David, and fucking uh, Dan Hebner. Uh, like Dan Hebner is Dan Hebner is a funny. podcasting beast, dude. Oh, my fucking God. He's so funny, too. He's, he's funny. <laughs> he's quick. He takes amazing – like 
Do you listen to his Leftover Army Monsters podcast? I, I listen to every one since I've discovered it about Dude, two years ago. The amount of fucking data that he brings to that yeah. show and then rattles off. I love Hefner. He's yeah. He is a fucking class act, dude. And also, I had an amazing interaction with him my second year at C2E2, where I just happened to randomly be next to him in a traffic jam. And I look over, and he's <laughs> absolutely losing his mind, having a meltdown punch in his steering wheel. Uh, imagine losing And I'm like, imagine I'm like this guy's freaking out. And then I'm like, that's, that's Dan Hepner. <laughs> so I roll my window down. I'm like, Hepner. And he's like, I've been in this line for 30 fucking minutes. <laughs> shaking his steering wheel <laughs> oh my god imagine with that deep voice him fucking yelling and oh, scared i i always fantastic. you know but before i knew his name i i was a fan because i was like oh the guy with the voice you, you know fucking <laughs> I know, and, he's, and, he's got one of those voices where it's kind of like jake from from pcl where they got these really deep voices and when you meet them they're, they're like skinny dudes. And you're like, dude, I thought you were going to be seven feet tall. <laughs> right. Yeah. Seriously. Right. I thought you were going to be like the mountain from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he's fucking awesome. So it, it was nice. And fucking June. I love fucking June. You, you know, it was like, oh, like she's amazing. one. That, she, she's so fucking cool, man. So it, it's interesting to, uh, you, you know, that we got to meet all these cool people, you know. Yes. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's really what, what more could you ask for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, then, um, oh, where the fuck was I going with that? Totally train wrecked. <laughs> 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 I started to say something and then it was like, Ooh, something shiny. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I was going to say June. June is fucking class act. I oh, to totally. Her. Yeah. Um, I think it was maybe the last two years at, at C2E2 I've gotten to hang out with her. And she is so fucking funny. She's on the the newest episode of PCL, her and Dan West. And yeah, yeah, I started Ryan listening to it already. Yep. her balls in the most hilarious way. <laughs> oh, God, I was sitting back in my room because I've just been working from home. And so it's like I'm I'm still, you know, listening to my podcasts and stuff like usual. I'm in my room listening to this and just laughing out fucking loud. Oh man. Yeah, she she's great. I mean, the the story that I keep going back to with her is uh when she was doing her reviews and you know, PCL doesn't have any political or religious stuff on and she's <laughs> yeah. like, I saw this movie called The Politician. He's like, We don't talk about you know <laughs> and she's like well, then I, I saw this movie called The Third Pope or whatever. And he's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, what else did you see? And she's like, well, I saw The Candidate. And <laughs> I was just like fucking at that went on for like 25 or 30 minutes. And I was like, this girl is fucking funny, man. And um, and she is. And, I, and I've got to know her a little bit through, you know, talking to her on Facebook. And she's fucking awesome, too. So th th there's so many good people, you know, in that fucking, um, you know, in, in that whole army that. You know, I haven't even talked about Rebecca yet, who I love, who theoretically, on paper, Rebecca and I should not get along no, at all. Not at okay? all. That was why, like, the first time I heard you talking on the podcast, I'm like, and Rebecca's on this? Yeah. That's what I messaged her. I'm like, your friend Chris is fucking hilarious. And she's like, isn't he? And he's such a good person. And I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, Chris can make all the fucking jokes he wants. Yeah. Rebecca says he's a good person, and that's fucking good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, that, that it, it's fucking funny because fucking 
I remember that, you know, we were hanging out at the house and I was into getting into some fucking woman thing, like fucking, you know, like women don't pay for shit and fucking Valentine's Day is, is just a fucking woman's holiday. You, you know, the guys have, you know, oh, oh, we were talking about the pay scale difference. And I was like, men deserve to make more than you, you know, because we got to pay for all this shit that we do for you, you know. And um, she's just sitting there with her mouth open and she's like, <laughs> and she's like, there are women that pay for their own dinner and pay for their own gifts. And I'm like, and don't think we don't appreciate the uglies. But the fact of the matter is, <laughs> and when I said that, her mouth hit the fucking floor and fucking she looked like she wanted to fucking kill me. But it was the funniest fucking thing. Because it was so offensive, and then she just fucking rolled with it. And, um, you, you know, I told her that. I was like, on paper, you and I definitely should not get along, but you really you're one of the best people that I fucking know, you know? And, uh, you know, we, we've sweetheart. become great friends, you know? Fucking I helped her move, you know? So got to be a good friend if you're helping somebody move. <laughs> <laughs> also, my another co-host on Number One Comic Books. Yeah, she's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I actually, you guys don't do number one of comics every week, right? Or every month even. Well, when we started it off, we had this idea that we were going to do it every other week. Right. And and it's like, okay, this is the schedule we're going to stick to. And it's not a big deal if, if somebody has to miss an episode. That's no big deal. And then as it went on, we kind of decided that we really liked doing them with all of us. It's really the dynamic between all four of us is really fun. So now we just kind of do it when, when it fits in with all four of our schedules. So, right. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's a month or so between episodes and other times it's faster. Um, but dude, that show is always so much fun. And what's cool about it too, is that I end up reading lots of different comic books that I would otherwise not have picked up. And there's been some in there, quite a few that have really, really surprised me. And then I've ended up, you know, reading a lot more of the series, picking up the trades and all that. Right. And, and I otherwise never would have touched the book. Um, but like, that's the fun thing about that show. And, and also because all of us, it's like, we, we respect comics. We respect comic book creators. We know how much work it goes in. Um, I can't even imagine the, the amount of belief that you have in yourself and your project to, to do that. I mean, I had, um, I've had Doug Wagner on the show a couple of times and he's written, uh, like plastic and the hard place and the ride. Um, have you ever read plastic? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Real quick tangent here. And I'm going to sell you on plastic. <laughs> you, it's a five issue mini or yeah. Five issue mini series from image. Um, so you can just buy the trade, read the whole thing in probably about 45 minutes. Um, now plastic, there's this guy and he's in love with this woman and they kind of run afoul of this kind of criminal guy's son. He gets in a fight with this son and his friends and totally beats the shit out of him. And then this guy who's, you know, it's their father. He gets upset, kidnaps the woman and then finds out that the guy is like an actual like ex CIA guy. And he's like, Hey, I want to use your skill set. I need you to go, you know, kill this local sheriff that's in her whole family. That's given me problems. And if you don't, you know, your lovely Virginia is going to die. And it's like, I, I haven't told you anything yet that you haven't seen in a million eighties movies. Right. 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 <laughs> okay. Virginia is a plastic fuck doll that this guy is in love. with. <laughs> 
And as the book, as you read the book, you find out he's not actually an ex-CIA spook. And there's a lot more to this character. And the book is fucking bonkers. The guy's absolutely out of his mind. He's in love with a plastic fuck doll. And he has a penchant for cutting people's heads off and keeping them plastic bags in his trunk. Oh, God. Okay. So, well, that's that's interesting enough. You got that, 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 That's too. worth delving into the issue, the first issue. <laughs> I, I was say, if nothing else, pick up the first issue on digital. But I guarantee you, you'd just knowing what sort of stuff you like from listening to your different podcasts and reviews and stuff, I think you'd like plastic. I, I, I will definitely check that out. It's deliciously mm. fucked up, dude. <laughs> and then uh, The Hard Place, this other five-issue miniseries that Doug did, is fucking incredible. Like, that ranks up in my top three of best miniseries that you can get in terms oh, really? of okay. action, plot, the amount of heart that the story carries as well. It's really fucking cool. It's this dude gets out of prison, and uh, he had been in prison because he he had been a wheelman for, like, the Russian mob. And he was really good friends with the, the, the mob leader's son. And they had something go wrong, and they got in a bad car accident, and that son died. And so then the main character then goes to prison, and when he gets out of prison, he's like, okay, I need to go talk to this Russian mob guy and let him know, you know, because I can't be just walking around, you know, with a target on my back. And right. so, like, he goes and talks to this guy, and the guy's basically like, you know, I can't believe you have the fucking balls to come here, get the fuck out of here. And then, while this dude's at a bank trying to, like, get, like, the business loan to, like, get, like, a legit thing going, these people come in and rob the bank and then see him, and they're like, oh, my God, that's the famous wheelman guy. And then they take him and then take this, like, you know, Paris Hilton-looking chick along as hostages, and then they make AJ, the main character, drive the car. Well, it turns out that the Paris Hilton chick that they took is this mob dude's daughter. And so now this mob guy's <laughs> thinking, okay, now this guy's fucking kidnapping my daughter? Right, right. He's fucking After dead. he killed my kid, yeah. And now fucking, all the yeah. police are thinking, this guy's didn't go straight look at him he's out fucking robbing banks again on his first day out <laughs> and so that's why it's called the hard place is because this guy's fucked he's got all the police that are wanting to kill him on site because you know these fucking bank robbers have fucking shot at cops and then he's got the russian mob wanting to kill him also and the fucking places that this story goes in five issues is fucking mind-bending dude it's so good the ending is just fucking perfect so anyway that's Doug, Doug Wagner, fucking awesome comic book writer. And I had him on the show several times and the amount of work that he's told me that goes into being a comic book creator is, is, is astounding to me. And he said, basically as the writer, you're like the project manager, you know, you're like right. getting the, the, the crowdfunding going to get the book off the ground, paying the, the artist and the letterer beforehand, doing everything with the publisher. And so I know how much work finally get back to my main point here i know how much work gets into a comic book and when we cover bad ones on number one comic books we don't hold back we know how much work goes into it and we still say this book fucking sucks don't go out and buy this and i remember with the first few times we did that it would always come with this big oh we feel so bad saying this and now it's just like nah dude we're talking about somebody's 3.99 and it's <laughs> you know, not every comic book is going to be good. And right. so it, it's almost fantastic when I read one of the four books and I'm like, oh my God, what a piece of shit. What is everybody else going to think? And sometimes those episodes are the best. Yeah. Well, a anytime you're, you have somebody on that's like brutally honest, like fucking, I, I, I keep thinking like, you shouldn't say that you hate stuff or that this, this movie was a dude to call for whatever. 
Um, because, you know, this guy who directed it or who acted it in it is doing more than you've ever done. <laughs> okay. Well, and that's what I feel like. Like, I'm just hosting a podcast. And I'm saying this person did all this work, did a shit comic book. Right. But at the end of the day, <laughs> art's subjective, you know? Yeah, it, it's – well, that, that's the whole thing. And it ain't like I'm and, tweeting that person being like, hey, Matt Hawkins, the clock was boring as fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing yeah, that. At, at the end of the day, you know, I do feel a little bit bad when I when I talk shit, but you know, fuck them, really. I mean, fucking, <laughs> I've, I, I've been talking shit for fucking way longer than I've been doing a podcast. The podcast just gives me, you know, an arena to vent it right? to, you know. So <laughs> it, it's like, you know, I'll talk shit until the cows come home. It's it's just fucking funny, you know. Dude, I I remember. We covered this book called Upward in that like, right. so the premise of this book was just one day gravity just kind of like really, really lessened. And so now people are like kind of floating around and shit everywhere. And so when it first happens in the book, this like scientist is like pouring coffee or he drops a coffee mug or some shit like that. And then the coffee's just like floating around the room. And so we turned that in to like a giant jizz joke. And like <laughs> fucking shooting jizz across the room. And like the way that all four of us like piled on, like added on to this joke, it was fucking beautiful by the time it was done. And it was like, you're like catching the glob in midair. You're like, it's still 98.6. <laughs> Meanwhile, this book goes on to win an Eisner Award. <laughs> and this is our contribution. And it's on the internet forever. <laughs> Right. It, yeah, it, exactly. That That's the thing that you got to think about now is like <laughs> fucking, yo, I said the new Star Wars was good and fucking it's on the Internet now forever. And people, you know, people are going to be able to look back and say, oh, this moron has no credibility. You know, <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I was one of those people that like the rise of Skywalker didn't bother me, but all the- it, it didn't bother me either. It, it I, I think Duncan said it best where it limped its way to the end. You know, it it got past the finish line and it limped its way there, you know? For me, I left the theater and I was like, that was my favorite of the the new Star Wars movies. Like, I really, and I was one of the people that really liked The Last Jedi a lot. I thought it was really great that all these people had these (laughs) theories on where the trilogy was going to go based on Phantom Menace. Or not Phantom Menace, but um, Force Awakens. Right. And I thought it was so fucking funny that Ryan Johnson just came in and was like, nope, Snoke, Snoke doesn't matter. Ray's parents don't matter. <laughs> None of this shit yeah, matters. Nothing here matters. Yeah. And people were so mad about it and so butthurt. And <laughs> so, like, all the bad things that people said about Rise of Skywalker, I can't refute any of it. But for whatever reason, I I didn't think of any of those things when I was watching the movie. Right. And And on rewatches, it's like, you know, obviously, yeah, now I think of them and now I see them. But it's, I, it just doesn't bother me for whatever reason and in let's see i think it was around november of last year i did a huge deep dive into the new canon for star wars right and so i read a fuckload of the the comic books and revisited uh everything like i i rewatched all of clone wars i rewatched almost all of rebels i think i've still got about two seasons to go on rebels but then i i rewatched all the movies and what was kind of fun is that I was like so deep into the new canon and everything that it was the first time that I watched the prequels and enjoyed them. Yeah, and I, like, 
I, I went back to them and, and I'm like, these weren't as shitty as you think they were. No, you know, I, these- I, I think the, the I think it's it's in vogue to like talk shit about the prequels and stuff. And I cannot argue that the writing in Attack of the Clones is really bad. Right. And, and like having having older Anakin come in and from the very first moment be panting after Padme was really fucking creepy. Like they they could have fucking written that out so that it was a relationship that blossomed. Like it started off with, you know, oh this is somebody I knew from my past, and and oh now look at us now now we're stuck in the situation where we have to be together, and then relate and then feelings evolve. But having it start off right off the bat, it was like a real stalker creeper vibe. Yeah, yeah, in, I agree. Anakin, which was just fucked up. Like <laughs> I've thought of nothing but her face ever since. It's like oh Jesus, dude, settle down. Yeah, calm the fuck down, dickhead. Yeah, and and so, you know, stuff like that, you, it's undeniable. There's a lot of writing in in Attack of the Clones that's super fucking clunky. There's a lot of writing in Solo that was super fucking clunky. And, but I don't know, for some reason I'm able to forgive them and I just fucking go along for the ride. And I'm like, hey, it's it's Star Wars, you know, this is, this is what we got. But, right. But I think after more contemplation, the way that I've really thought about the the Disney Star Wars movies was they just fucked up in not having an overall plan. Yes, um, I, I will say for the you know for the the three that just came out, nothing really moved me, and I said this on the last podcast um, was. You know, or more so than the fact that, you know, to see the Millennium Falcon flying again on the fucking trailer for The Force Awakens, that made me feel better than all the actual movies did. Yeah. You know, so. I know what you mean. Um, but see, the thing is that Disney Star Wars has been, you know, for whatever reasons, the last two movies have if put you know, a, a luster on the shine of the Star Wars stuff, but um, they made up for it with Mandalorian and the last uh, season of the Clone Wars. So it's like you, you look at the Mandalorian and you could forgive a lot of this shit in the last two movies. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> you know, just because the Mandalorian is so good, you know, Dude, it's it's next level good. Yeah. It's really just one of the best things around. And did you see the last um, finale of the Clone Wars? I need to watch the last story arc. Oh, my God, dude. It's like fucking. I've heard it's so good. <laughs> it's one of the best things that you'll you'll ever see, you know. So it's really cool. Dave, Dave Filoni doesn't fuck around, man. That guy, he knows how to write Star Wars really, really well. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that he or. Um, What's the name? Um, Favreau get the job after uh, Kennedy leaves her because yeah, it. Well, I don't. Know. I, I just think she can't handle it. I, I I tend to agree. Just seeing what the finished results were, of I don't understand how you would set out to do what you knew from the start was going to be a three movie arc. How do you not have a fucking outline? Right. That says <laughs> right. okay, we need shit to happen in 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 episode seven. That's going to pay off in episode nine. And we know all that now because we've gotten the different writers and directors for this all into a room. We're all on the same page. We have a unified vision. We're going to set forth and do this. And they didn't do that at all. Yeah. 
And, yeah, not and, even and a little shows. bit. It, it shows that because I mean, yeah, the Phantom or why do I keep wanting to call it the Phantom Menace? Force Awakens was fucking fun, and then the, the Last Jedi, you know, it was not what people were expecting, and and then fucking so much of Rise of Skywalker, it's just it's just retconning shit, and it's, right. I can't fucking deny that any of that shit's true. It's like, yeah, I can accept it, but being that it is true, it's like then it's a valid fucking criticism. It's a valid criticism that Disney paid $4 billion for something and then bungled fucking releasing it for something yeah. as simple as not having an outline. Yep. Like, what the fuck? Have you, have, are these people that they never fucking written anything before? Yep. I, it, 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 it's so funny because, um, you know, there, there was such a lull in it for such a long time. But what was uh, I actually went to uh, Lucasfilm to ILM and uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine knew one of the animators there. And you, you get you get to walk in this place and it's really like the most incredible play, place that you've ever seen. Right. <laughs> and. You know, you're walking through the hallways and you look into different rooms and, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is there or, you know, um, wow. you know, uh, the T-Rex from uh, Jurassic Park, you know, the miniatures and um, or, or the maquettes rather. And you look at it and you're saying all this and, uh, you know, they, they fucked up my shit. Like, <laughs> like because I actually was in the cafeteria there. And I met Dave Filoni there and the cafeteria at Lucasfilm is like, um, like the food court at a mall, but a mall that's like five times the size of the mall of America. (laughs) Okay. And I got to see movies in the, um, screening room, you know, where, uh, you know, I saw like the making of uh, the Phantom Menace and all that. And I saw that screening room and I got to watch movies in that screening room. Uh, when we went, they sh- they showed us a bunch of different shorts, um, you know, that, uh, um, you know, their animation department was working on. And it-, it was probably like one of the best days of my life. If you go to my Facebook, I got all the pictures, you know, because like as a- I had a nerdgasm there. So fucking, <laughs> you-, you know, you-, you knew that was happening. Yeah. But it's... uh. It's it's like, you know, all of this and they didn't do an outline, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, like like we said, the, the Mandalorian's really on track and doing good things. That that first season was outstanding. And yeah. then the casting news that they have for the second season is fucking crazy. Oh, did you see today they got fucking uh, Sackoff? Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to bring off. Mm-hmm. That they got Katie Sackoff cast as Bo-Katan. Yeah, that's fucking that's insane, man. Insane. Dude, I really hope we get a Sabine Wren. A live-action Sabine would be insane. I would love that. As well. I would fucking love that. She's one of my favorites, man. And fucking, she's, um, I, I only have like, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 of the uh, uh, the Dark Series uh, figures. Um, and she's one of them, you know, the six-inch figures. Oh, nice. And, uh, and, she, and she's, like, I fucking... I think I spent like 50 bucks on her on eBay fucking for a $20 <laughs> fucking figure. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, um, but dude, this yeah, she's going to have a Sokotano, right? Bo-Katan and, and what's the name? Rex and Boba Fett. But Rex is going to be in it too. Yep. Because oh they, they figured God. that they could get the actor that plays Boba Fett <laughs> to do two roles. 
because they got the original oh, what's his name? Yeah. From I can't uh think of the actor's name, but he played Django Fett. Yeah, yeah. To Tamara Morrison or Okay, yeah. So, that something sounds, like that. Sounds, yeah, it sounds familiar, but I'm um, terrible at remembering names, dude. Yeah, but he could play two, you know, two guys. He could technically play all of the clones, dude, you know, if they really, wanted really to do something. I, I didn't. It's like, yeah, Boba Fett and Rex are going to have the exact same face. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be fucking interesting, and it's still dropping this year. Yeah, yeah, this fall, you know? right? Yep. So dude, I can't wait. That shit was so fucking good. That that episode that had Bill Burr in it. Was so good. It had such great horror vibes towards. Wasn't the end of it. he so much better than you thought he would be in that? <laughs> He's got good acting chops, dude. That's for he me, does for sure. I love Bill Burr, dude. He's one of my favorite dude, comics. Dude, so so do, why? I mean, him, Segura, and uh, Bert Kreischer are probably like the top three right now that I'm loving. And um, uh, Nate Bargazzi. If you ever saw Nate Bargazzi, I have he is heard the name, funny. I've never watched any of his specials. There's, there's, he has his own stand-up on uh, Netflix, an hour-long one. But he was also part of this show called The Stand-Ups, where they discovered him, and he has a half hour there. And dude, some of the shit, you know, and he's a totally clean guy. He doesn't really curse a lot or anything, but he's funny as shit. He, he's probably one of my top five right now. Awesome. So, yeah, Tom Segura is one of my favorites. Oh yeah, I got a fucking autograph fucking poster of Tom Segura that I paid 40 bucks for and it's in a $300 frame. <laughs> That's awesome. So Dude, I remember cause I think it was back in the white girls with cornrows days when I first heard him. And oh, that, I think yeah. I was listening to just like a comedy station on like Pandora like years and years ago. And I kept hearing these fucking jokes that were just great. And I'm like, <laughs> who the fuck it? Like I keep recognizing this voice and you know, I'm usually listening to this stuff while I'd be out driving the truck and so I'd have to actually, you know, then pick up my phone, turn it on, look at it. I'm like, fucking Tom Segura, okay. And so it was like, it was all stuff from white girls with cornrows and thrilled. Oh, so yeah, that's, his, yeah. His first two albums. Totally I was going to say that that was right before, um, uh, oh, man, what the completely fuck did normal. they, completely normal, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and he just gets better and better with his specials are just fucking funny as shit. I, I love his bit about the uh, the first 48. Uh, and, and it's like fucking, this guy knows his shit, you know? He's so, so. Do you listen to his uh, his podcast he does? Oh, yeah, Your Mom's wife, House? Your yeah. Mom's House? Oh, yep. my God, that show is fucking fantastic. As a matter of fact, uh, Christina P's podcast, um, where, my, where My Mom's At, uh-huh. um, she has an intro song that is kind of like DMX, uh, you, you know, you know, performing the song. And once me and Duncan heard it, we're like, we got to get, you know, like this is the, you know, uh, the guy that we need to to do our, you know, song. And uh, we didn't we didn't get the actual guy, but th that whole vibe is there with, with the DMX vibe. Uh, we completely ripped it off a Christina P show. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that so. video of DMX doing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Hold on. I'm looking this up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good, dude. Oh, but yeah, dude, your mom's house is so fucking funny. It, it's... Did you see... Uh, Kreitcher's dance video 
Yes. And then Segura's response to it. I actually just watched him again the other day. Oh, my God. That was fucking so good, man. <laughs> okay. Come on, iPad. So I wow. printed the lyrics of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And would you, I know the lyrics. Would you do us the honors of spitting Rudolph see. the Red-Nosed Reindeer? You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Come on! Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw him, you would even say it close. Come on, come on, all of the other reindeer. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> He's doing it like it's Rough Riders. <laughs> He's going to shut him down, open up shop. <laughs> I remember when I heard that was a thing, I was like, you're fucking kidding me. I'm like, no, I did it on some radio show. <laughs> I got to play that for fucking Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Dude, it's been so great fucking talking with you. Oh, dude, you too, man. This has been a fucking blast. (laughs) It's like like I feel like I've known you for fucking 30 years. I know. know? You're so easy to talk to. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) So, dude, you've got to come to C2E2 because even though I rarely ever drink, I will have a beer with you. Oh, yeah. Imagine... With me there, you there, uh, Hebner there, the amount of jerk-offs trying to fucking record their podcast from C2E2. <laughs> That'll be interesting as fuck. Um, so so we'll, we'll definitely give that a shot. But, yeah, I definitely plan on going next year. So I, I will definitely be there, my friend. Fuck. Maybe I'll come up to fucking uh, Idaho and fucking see these uh, tree dams. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the fuck it is right? <laughs> right, I'm making a mental note next time I'm on the river I'll take a picture of fucking a log jam and send it to you yeah, yeah fucking FaceTime me so I can pretend like I'm there okay <laughs> I'll be like what if you gotta take a shit alright <laughs> I think that's Christ. as good a place as any to wrap it up dude <laughs> I, I, I think so too man fucking Dude, thank you again so much. Fucking I had such a good time. Oh, absolutely. We will do this again. <laughs> oh, you just let me know when, brother. It has to happen. Awesome. Dude, thank awesome. you so much. Uh, thank no you problem, all for man. listening. Until next time, this has been StarkCast. Fucking take it easy, guys.